Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Jacob Marley is dead. This must be distinctly understood, or nothing wonderful can come of the podcast you are about to listen to. On Christmas Day, on Christmas Day, I saw three ships come sailing in on Christmas Day in the morning. How, how's everybody at home? Uh, we're doing well. Yeah. You know, we're we're um, we just kind of finished our our first bout of COVID, um, and. I mean, everyone's pretty much recovered at this point. We're all like sniffly and stuff, but um, fine otherwise. That's good. Yeah, it's. Um, I'm a little worried going into the uh, season with possibly getting it or like family members getting it. It happened last year around the holidays, so knock on wood, it doesn't happen again. I'm praying it doesn't happen again because I want to spend more time with my family who are coming in from out of town. Um, but, you know, there are some things in life that you just have no control over, okay? Like, the, some, and you just have to, you know, just roll with it, you know, and just kind of take a leap of faith. Like, our lead character, Will Ferrell, is asking of Ryan Reynolds in this week's movie, John, because we are reviewing Spirited, a Christmas Carol sequel movie here on jacob marley is dead oh yes that's right welcome to jacob marley is dead this is a uh this is a podcast where we let go and let god and we also review a christmas carol i'm your uh ghost of podcast past john and i am his bob cratchit his sidekick i am not jacob marley but i am jimmy (laughs) (laughs) and uh like jimmy said we are reviewing um Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds spirited. Uh, very new, probably the freshest Christmas Carol we've ever done here on Jacob Marley is Dead. Bes- besides something that, you know, could hardly be called a film, you know. I mean, this is fresher than that Grish Patel, though. This is like like three months within release to review. Like, this is pretty current. So yeah. this yeah. is something that isn't, like, dated at all. This is of its time right now. And uh, I'm excited to talk about you I'm excited too, and welcome, listeners, to uh, uh, Jacob Marley. Indeed, is is alive uh, here. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Jacob Marley is dead. What I, I'm affectionately thinking of is Jacob Marley is dead season two. Um, yeah, back bigger and better than ever. Um, uh, it feels weird to be doing this show again. It's so funny because we have just been getting in, back in the swing of doing uh, Frodo Lives, right? right. And yet. 
We've done two of those already since we've come back, and this feels completely different because it is different. Jacob Marley is its own p- podcast. It's what we cut our teeth on. It's 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 it's, what, it's our first, and you always have a special place in your heart for your first, you know. So it's I, very true. Yeah, I I am I I I I miss Jacob Marley. I had a year without reviewing crappy and po- awesome versions of a Christmas Carol. Um, I gotta say, looking back on, I think the batting average was actually more positive than bad. We had a r- lot of good uh, Christmas carols last year. Yeah, we'll see. It's hard to do a Christmas Carol truly bad because of how strong the source material is, uh-huh. uh, with a couple notable exceptions. Um, and we're kind of moving in a new direction this week. Yeah, uh, we're 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 moving uh, forward uh, rather than backwards with a Christmas Carol. I'm really really excited to talk about what that looks like. Yeah, I was as this movie went on, as we'll talk about, it dawned on me more and more that we are dealing with a sequel, a true yeah. sequel to A Christmas Carol, and one that makes choices. And we'll get into that, friends, because this movie has the make for this movie is going to build off what this is. I have a feeling that this will be something that will be on Broadway because spoilers, it's a musical and and we Boy, will, is it. and <laughs> right. Oh yeah, it is. Oh yeah, it is. All right. And there'll be more songs put into it and it'll be more, it will be done in a different tone. I feel like we'll get into that discussion. Like mm-hmm. this, it, this is the beginning of a franchise. This is going to be something and I cannot wait to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is spirited. It came out this year, uh, the year of our Lord, 2022. Hell yeah. Um, a uh, big, big, splashy holiday thing. Some really huge names here. You've got, obviously, uh, Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds kind of headlining. But you also have, in, you know, supporting Octavia Spencer. You've got just our uh, a personal favorite of, of myself and Jimmy's. We saw him live in, mm-hmm. in a show. Yeah, uh, Mr. Did. Patrick Page. Um Hellfire! You've got you've got um, Tracy Morgan with like kind of like a sleeper hit role in this one as well. What a great uh, use of Tracy Morgan, by the way. We'll get into it more, but like Chef's Kiss, great choice. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, so this is directed and written by by Sean Anders, um, uh, who's got you know like a, a, a certain pedigree to his name. Nothing that was like a super huge standout uh, that I saw, but definitely just a guy who's who's you know getting a lot of work done. He co-wrote this with um, John Morris. It's obviously based on a Christmas Carol, um, mm-hmm. but we also have uh, uh, music in here by Benj Pasek and Justin Paul, who. Um, a lot of a lot of hits under their belt in terms of musical theater. We're talking Dear Evan Hansen. We're talking uh, La La Land. We're talking uh, The Greatest Showman. Like a lot of very recent, very big musical hits. Um, like, here's the thing, friends. I might not like the style personally in some places, you know, but you got to recognize who's big when they're big. This is the Rogers and Hammerstein of our times right now. Like these are, I'm not trying to be, it's pretty big because look, La La Land. I mean, greatest showman was a hit with kids. Like kids are still singing songs from that one. Like this is, and with this one, I believe is going to be a big hit too. spoilers. Like this is a catalog of 
really solid work done by a group of writers, right? And like I'm thinking, I'm just saying, like recognize real. Like this is the current uh, big team of the of our era. Yeah, yeah. We got our uh, son time. Uh, yeah. That's I Lynn. Think- Lynn's yeah. on time. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say um, they got some. They got some competition. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I I have some thoughts about the musical element of this and how it meshes with the film element. Um, I as well. I as well. And I think you know we'll probably spend a considerable amount of time discussing that. But I don't see any reason to delay, Jimmy. I I have I have not spoken to my friend Jacob Marley in a year, and I am ready to cast some pod with him. Yeah, let's do it. Do it. Go. All right. This is Jacob Marley is Dead, and we are talking about 2022's Spirited. was in those ships, all three, on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. And one was in those ships, all three, on Christmas Day in the morning. So we open with narration, mm. right? Uh, Will Ferrell is is our narrator Ooh. for the very beginning of this. Not you know the rest of the time. We just get that kind of opening sort of setup narration. Mm-hmm. Um, we're closing in on you know a graveyard. It's raining out. Um, so we don't know like if are we coming in on like the end of Christmas Carol because we see the classic. Ghost of Christmas Future in the rain, pointing with the bony finger. And it's very, you know, arresting imagery right off the bat. Straight off of Scrooge, like, or uh, Muppet's Christmas Carol. Like, this is yeah. very iconic looking Ghost of Christmas Future. Yeah. Uh, then, of course, um, we're, we're disrupted a little bit because it is not Scrooge that we see. It's uh, it's some crappy soccer mom type, some Karen, literally named Karen, played by Rose Byrne. Um, modern clothing, you know. Yeah. Rose Byrne, that's a heck of a get for this character. Like, yeah. she's a great star. Like, and she pulls off a Karen. Gotta say, don't know if I love the fact that she's literally named Karen. I feel like in a hundred years, that's going to age really poorly. Just it, saying. Did it feel on the nose to you too? I didn't even really catch it at first until they said the name in like the next scene. It was self-evident. Um, it was, it, we, we knew what she was supposed to be portraying as a modern st- stereotype. Like we, we got, we got it. Like we get it. Um, yeah. didn't need to call her the name. And I'm every time it gets said, I'm just saying, I'm like, I, I've used it still myself, but even still, I get, I feel like a certain, like, eh, this doesn't feel right. Like, I feel like, like, again, like in a hundred years, we're going to look back like, wow, they said that God. Yeah. And I, I would say that it's a, it's, it's a really good example. I'm going to use it here of a thing that happens a few times in this movie where some of the writing definitely feels like its age you know what i mean like this is a very very new movie but a lot of the people working on it i mean your will ferrell for example are Mm -hmm. people of a certain generation right and it's it's going to court the type of humor that i think would have played when they were like in their prime right right yeah whereas now some of the jokes fall kind of flat because it's not necessarily being written by like people who are on the cutting edge you're you're writing for three different generations when you have a performer like will ferrell you're writing for all generations currently out there gen x boomers and freaking um uh us 
And the Arca Zoomers too. So you got four. You got like yeah. so many. And Will Ferrell is connected in some way to, to all those generations because of the parts he's played. He's somebody to all four of those groups. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's a that's a that's a Robin Williams esque type of performer. Like, let's just right. kind of recognize that. Like, he's big deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll you know make of that what you will. We'll kind of address that as it comes up. But um, so so Karen, um, you know, Ghost of Christmas Future really only has one move. It's the big point, um, <laughs> pointing at the grave, and. Uh, this Karen, uh, you know, she starts sinking into the ground. She's like begging for another chance, blah, blah, blah. We've talked about this a hundred times before. And then uh, we're, we're hopefully told, don't worry, she's going to be okay. Right. She'll be fine. In a few minutes, she'll wake up in her bed and she'll be a brand new person. Um, and then we get a look at our kind of collection of spirits, right? Because we have a very classic looking Ghost oh. of Christmas Future. I mean, he's yeah. the Grim Reaper. He always has been, right? Uh-huh. Um, and then he is joined by a kind of um, alternative take on the Ghost of Christmas Past, right? So we have Sunita Mani playing the Ghost of Christmas Past in this. She's great. She owns every scene she's in. She is a powerhouse. She is a lead waiting to happen. I haven't seen her in much. But every time I've seen her in, a, in anything, she steals that scene. So yeah. she, she reminds me of like Audrey Plaza or like, uh, oh gosh, like somebody you see early on that you know is going to be a bigger deal in Hollywood, like um, uh, Seth Rogen. Like Seth yeah. Rogen was slowly building up to uh, Knocked Up. Like you, he was leveling up movie for movie. She's going to do the same. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then, of course... Will Ferrell is our ghost of Christmas present, right? And he's in the costuming is fun. He's got kind of like a green, like, like a uh, Yuletide looking sort of suit coat yeah. situation going on. It's not like a classic take, although we will see a more classic look later on, which I appreciated. It was like if Will Ferrell ever had to be Doctor Who. Yeah, that's definitely right on the nose. N- yeah. Not not a bad look. Like I would watch at least a pilot episode of Will Ferrell as the Doctor in that costume. They would hook me. It, but it, he, I don't Hopefully know. Hopefully, he'd regenerate into someone slightly better. But <laughs> oh, John, at some point we got to talk about regenerations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> but not yeah. today. Not today. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, Will Ferrell is our Ghost of Christmas present, and we as we go through the sequence. We kind of are building up anticipation of whether or not it sticks. If whether yeah. or not the um the the night's work was worth it for this crew. And leading this is, if I'm not mistaken, a man in a top hat that we'll find out who they are later. Yeah. So Patrick Page comes in. He's he's got uh you know a top hat. He's sort of like a lot of the costuming in this is almost looks like if you took Victorian era costuming and just like updated it to kind of modernize materials, which I thought was a really neat touch. It, it has the sense as if Dickens created this yeah. out of it, right? Like he created this system that we'll see it play out, and it's in his period, and it's kind of kind of a nice touch to connect it always yeah. in the background yeah it definitely reminds me a lot of like the the santa claus kind of like oh yeah similar kind of vibe like when you see because what what we will find out as we go along is that um you know the three spirits have like a whole office complex of researchers and you know um 
kind of gophers and lackeys and things that are running this program all year to find this one person that they're going to redeem on Christmas Eve. So like ever since who knows when, I mean, we will find out. Um, this has been kind of like an ongoing, um, an ongoing sort of almost business venture of goodwill. Um, right. One aspect of the afterlife that people can opt into. It feels like, like mm-hmm. it's not, it doesn't feel like it's indentured servitude. And we'll get into some rules that go along with that. This doesn't feel like punishment. This feels like I'm going to spend my afterlife performing this good deed because maybe I like it or maybe some other reasons as we'll yeah. go into. It Ooh. does feel like some of the rules are, are sort of there for plot convenience. Like there's definitely like big, huge questions that I have about the cosmology of all this, but um, just a smidge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not to get long winded. So um, this woman, Karen wakes up and she goes outside and, and, all of her neighbors are like playing a game of ice hockey or something on Christmas morning right in her front yard, which is a little bit weird. It's like in the street right outside her house. It's in the cul-de-sac, okay? The o- the oval cul-de-sac, which is perfect for playing broom-based hockey games on Christmas yeah. morning. I don't know who's organizing that crap on Christmas morning, but somebody with too much time on their hands. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because like a lot of the people there are adults, but a lot of the adults in the scene act a little bit like children. <laughs> it's kind of like a weird vibe. Yeah, um, there's a smidge of that across the board in this thing. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Um, but she comes out and there's like a whole thing. It's it, it feels very much like a parody sort of where like, the they they hit the hockey puck into her yard and then they have to get it. It's like, no, don't. That's that's Karen's house, whatever. And then she comes out and she's like apologizing to them for all of the things that she's done wrong and acting a little bit crazy and stuff. Um, and then she sort of has her chance to like join in the game. And as she does, everything freezes. And you know, our Patrick Page's character who, I mean, let's not, it's Jake. Who's Jacob Marley. Uh, Jacob Marley is, is uh, really getting his due in this episode. He's in charge of this strange goodwill bureaucracy. Um, All of the spirits are there. I love that choice. It's so nice to have Jacob Marley have some sort of triumph because we always, you always fear the worst for Jacob Marley, honestly, because he is, Beyond redemption, as he states in the novella, like he is not going to get a second chance. Scrooge in the novella gets a second chance, but Jacob doesn't. Yeah, and and, and this film lightly implies that when Marley appears to Scrooge, that it's kind of an act. Just, right. We'll get into that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because he doesn't. So this Jacob Marley is like. He's looking healthy and, you know, fit as a fiddle and he's brightly dressed clothing and not not a chain to be seen. Um, Look at mighty Doctor Who-ish. Yeah. Again, <laughs> no, no, I, I take that back. Willy Wonka-ish. Yeah, his, his vibe is definitely more Wonka. Um, he's, he's a better Wonka. I would say I would love to see him play Willy Wonka. That would be very, very cool. As a complete juxtaposition to what Johnny Depp did and even uh, Gene Wilder. Like, that's how you do it. You go extremely old, not young, old. Moving on. Not not Timothy Timothy Chalamet. And anyway. Uh, Let's um, just move on. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, so then, you know, they all, they all, all excited. They're explaining to her that she's been redeemed and she's now going to be a good person and blah, blah, blah. And then they all go back to the office and we get our first song, uh, Christmas Morning Feeling, which 
raised my 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 little alarm flag a little bit when this song started because it's got a lot of like super enthusiastic like musical theater dancing going on in the background that felt I would say directionless like it was like dancing for the dancing sake and there's a lot of dancing for dancing sake in this movie look they have to establish the dancing in the movie so the kids want to dance when they do the musical at their high school after they see it on Broadway or the yeah. national tour in five years. Who am I kidding? Two. Yeah. Uh, and they've got an, a, a bunch of like newly dead people who are kind of coming in as like interns. Um, yeah. It's like, and- like a welcoming system. It's an interesting... You'd only get snapshots of the system, which I don't know if that's, I mean, it's probably better that way. So you can't poke holes through it, but you get little snapshots of how this world works. Yeah, it does feel, it does feel like it's intentionally kind of obfuscating like what exactly the, the cosmic order to this thing is. Um, And uh, they kind of start poking fun at the fact that it's a musical, and it opens up this like, I, I can't tell whether or not this movie is earnestly trying to be a musical or p- trying to parody a musical because at different points it feels like it's doing different things i don't know if you picked up on that oh i did it's definitely it's trying to have its cake and eat it too which all musicals nowadays do yeah i've said it before i'll say it again my least favorite trope in modern musicals is the song about how we're doing an effing musical yeah okay and they have like six of those in this and, and right and it's the number one thing i well, I won't give spoilers, but it's pretty bad. It is pretty bad, in my opinion. But I, it's just because I don't like modern musicals where they always do that. Because, yeah. God forbid, we can just do a dance and not have to acknowledge it because, oh my God, OMG, we're doing a dance. Like, just let the piece be the piece. Let the art speak for itself on its own merits. I'm getting off my high horse now. Yeah, yeah. Um, Christmas morning feeling. Um, so I'm going to try to drop like little clips as we go through um, and do my best to avoid a copyright strike. But hey, all this is John editing the podcast. Uh, I'm not going to be dropping clips from uh, the songs from this movie in here, uh, especially because it's brand new. I'm just not willing to risk uh, the the wrath of the copyright God. So uh, you can listen to it on Spotify or, or YouTube. Um, thanks. Back to the podcast. And, and just after we play that, I just want to say it's not bad it's not no bad. christmas morning feeling is pretty good right it's it's definitely just like it's shallow to the point where i was like okay so this is like a send-up because this is obviously supposed to be like an it's the end of the musical musical number and they're kind of like parodying the idea of like the big fun happy group number at the end but then it's going to get more serious later on or it's going to become something different and i don't know that it ever really does the musical elements of this are like really hit or miss depending on the moment Mm. and i feel like it just depends on who the singer is what the context is what the song is and that's pretty much it i agree with that i think also that sometimes maybe even they don't know how to be sincere anymore some of these writers i'm just being Mm -hmm. honest like because we're so satirical on every damn thing and gosh forbid we show some you know emotion or just genuine joy by the way you can't see it but i'm wearing overalls right now so i have them hooked like a suspenders (laughs) like you know in my day we had kindness and understanding and everything like oh lord but you know but really and sincerely like it's just even there i couldn't get through that bit with without trying to break the tension because it's hard to just show genuine kindness and and care and joy 
Yeah. So uh, Will Fer- Ferrell's character, who at, at this point we're just calling the Ghost of Christmas Present, mm. um, slips away from the party and he goes into the Hall of the Redeemed. And we learn kind of through... <laughs> I gotta say what the Hall of Redeemed looks like, okay? He walks into the Hall of Redeemed and it is like, imagine the Colosseum inside like a opera house, like the columns from that. And in between them are statues of the people they have redeemed. I instantly felt like I was in the American experience in Epcot looking at the <laughs> statues on the side, the spirit of this and that, the spirit of explore, of exploring, the spirit of adventure, like all that stuff on there. And it just made me cringe a little bit thinking about those statues in a different context. But it in walks our ghost of Christmas present and starts looking at all these statues in the Hall of the Redeemed. Yeah, Um so Will Ferrell starts singing. It's not it's not great. I feel like this is screaming for like a Hugh Jackman or like someone who's like a, a movie star, but also like kind of a musical theater person because Will Ferrell just like painfully is not throughout this whole movie. And he tries his best, but it, it is just like it is like watching your dad sing in the shower. <laughs> Because he's your dad singing in the shower, like, yeah. and not not younger generation, our dads, like our guys, like, yeah. and it's okay. No one has a problem with that. Will Ferrell's good; he's a good performer, but he's not up to this material. Yeah, he, no, he's no. a guy you want to karaoke or singing Freebird at the end of Conan O'Brien getting kicked off the Tonight Show. F you, Jay Leno. Oh, by the way, sorry about the other thing. Sorry. <laughs> Um, but what we learn is that he is, um, he's questioning kind of the nature of redemption, right? Like, Mm. uh, you know, can a person really be fully redeemed, right? How do we know if they're redeemed? We also learn that he's, so he's up for retirement and for these spirits, retirement means that you actually get to go back and live a mortal life. Okay, we're not and it's not totally clear like what the mechanism of that is, but we know that he has been um up for retirement for a while. Right? Yeah, like 50 years or something like it that. It was like tw- 26 seasons. They call it a season. It, which regardless of which amount, that's a long damn time to be up for yeah. retirement. Yeah. So- now when, when we say that, when we learn kind of where he originates, he's been doing this clearly for a very, very long time. So it takes some time to get to the point where you're eligible for retirement. Yeah. Um, at one point, he looks up at a statue um, and it's very clear that like the statue he's looking <coughs> at is is supposed to be him, and, was- which and. Yeah. Like it's it's very obvious, and the statue we see it from behind. We don't know who it is, but it's like older Victorian man in a top hat with a cane. You start to put some pieces together at a certain point. I was, like, um, and and I'll hold off on actually dropping that until we, it gets the reveal in the movie. But because it mean, does, the movie does give us some options for who this character is. We know they are somebody. It is hinted at very clearly that by the fact that they have not taken retirement that. Why would somebody do that? So there's an interest there. We know by looking at the statue, regardless of knowing if it is him, it is him. 
it like we like like why is he looking at a statue could it be that he's actually looking at maybe somebody who was a friend of his we don't know it's giving us options depending on how you look at certain scenes for guessing at this guy's identity and it kept i'll say this i was watching this with family members we were trying to figure out who he was the whole film had i had my opinion somebody else had their opinion and swayed at different times yeah yeah um so uh, Marley comes in. We get the impression that they've like they're not just coworkers; they're kind of friends. Like they look out for each other, and um, you know he's like, "Ah, oh, cheer up! Like we got we we got to start looking for next year's candidate." And I've got some good ones. Oh, yeah. um, so Marley takes the team um, to see some jack off abusing an immigrant in a hotel lobby like he's just some like uppity hotel manager being a real tool bag this guy's a great character actor it's a shame i don't know his name at this moment but he is in everything he was in wolves of wall street he just yeah. is this one type of background guy is he, is he the guy was he on ted lasso did you watch ted lasso on no though i means to i'm going to find a way to watch ted lasso ted yeah. lasso looks pretty darn good yeah, um, I, I you know he's just been in a lot of things in the background and he's really good, really good. Yeah, because he just gives that aura of like, I don't I don't you just you don't feel great about the guy. You just he's not my kind of guy. Um. Yeah. And, and I will say so. Marley seems very taken with him. He's like, yes, this guy, this is definitely like a big deal. But um, Will Ferrell is a little bit. um. I'm going to keep calling him Will Ferrell, I guess, because it's like hard to not. But the Ghost of Christmas Present feels a little bit hesitant because he's like, what what good is it going to do? Like, how much of a ripple effect is this guy going to have? And that's like a big thing is sort of this idea of like you redeem a person whose ripple effect is going to make do the most good. Right. Yep. Um, And as they're having this conversation, Ryan Reynolds walks in right and Ryan reynolds is talking into his bluetooth like the Ooh. the world's biggest douche right since better call saul it's an instant call for like just jerk like you yeah. like you see yeah. that bluetooth in i hate that guy yeah and he is basically i mean it it implies that he is instructing a senator to tweet the n-word yep like that's basically what it implies and it's like as like a political strategy to try to build like support with a certain base and you're immediately like oh well that's worse this guy's obviously worse in less than 30 seconds we hate an individual with every fiber of our being because we've all been through the creation and downfall of social media so we're yeah. all connected by it so of at this moment this intro is powerful. Yeah, you're going to spend a lot of uh, probably too much time listening to me dunk on musical numbers in this movie. But one thing I cannot fault is how sharp some of the writing is mm. um, when it comes to like the philosophical element of like what makes a good or a bad person. And the introduction of this character is so succinct and it opens up, I think, my favorite scene in the movie. Um, and my favorite song in the movie, We're Bringing Back Christmas, which is Dynamite, is really, 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 really good. And it gave me a false sense of hope for the musical part of this movie um, because of how strong it was. I, I don't know if the rest of the show is of that less quality. It is mm -mm. probably the best song in the musical. But I will say this. It has one other competitor, but it's really strong. Fair enough. I This song show, showed up on my Spotify yesterday, Walking Home. 
from the game. Go Eagles. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Okay, did I spell that correctly? Man, yeah, you got it. Stinks. Okay, good. Um, no, uh, forty-eight points. Man, beat the Giants. Beautiful. It was Beautiful. amazing. Anyway, but the song pops up on my Spotify, and like your initial instinct when something you don't normally listen to, at least for me, is like oh, I'm gonna skip this, even though I knew what it was. But then I gave it a second, and I listened to the whole damn song, and it was catchy. And yeah, it's, it's real catchy. And it's sick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's it's good on two levels. It's a really catchy song. Mm-hmm. Ryan Reynolds is a really uh like charismatic performer. So and he really sells it. Like he really like his whole ethos, I feel like, is like casual um, you know, shithead. Yeah. And uh the beauty of what he's doing here is this song is is basically a presentation he's doing for like the national tree growers union or society like the people who are trying to encourage people to purchase live christmas trees right and like he some has group been that pays into a fund to support the tree growers year round it felt like has right. hired this guy yeah, so he's been hired in he's he's a political strategist essentially or like a market strategist um yeah the fine curl any marketing experts who listen to this podcast i apologize but you're like a blight on humanity i'm sure some of you are fine people but what you do is destroying society uh to a certain respect anyway you're not number one but you're in the top 10 (laughs) yeah um so basically, he presents them with, listen, yeah, I'm expensive. You're going to have to spend a lot of money for my advice, but here's what we're going to do. And this song outlines this plan to basically create a culture war between people who buy real trees and people who buy fake trees. And that if you buy a fake tree, like you don't believe in sweet baby Jesus and you're anti-American and you're a communist and all this other stuff. And and he's kind of working this angle because this is like the day after Christmas. And then this movie's going to jump ahead to like the day before Christmas in the future. And we're watching him slowly plot out like his media campaign in support of buying real Christmas trees in the most just like cynical, um, totally not caring about like the broader consequences of creating a culture war between people. It's extremely relevant. Like, and they handle it really, really well. Some of it's like a little bit um, heavy handed, but I think it can afford to be like, it's really selling you on how terrible this character is. And they had to pick something that was neutral. Yeah. I I'm just, and just calling it what it was. They had to pick something that all sides could look at and be like, that's effing stupid. All right. And they could identify with having been a part of that system or being used by that system. And I think, that's what makes the song. I was fearing as this was going, it was going to be more like Kill the Beast. But the fact that it w- had that in there, it had it in there. Yeah. But it wasn't as dark, but more uplifting. Yeah. That was actually in a way more terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Because he's because he sells them on the idea that he's passionate or he sells them on the passion of the idea. But and it's clear the whole time that he could not care less. Like. He hates being there. He hates yeah. being there. He doesn't believe it at all. But he's cunning enough to know how to play people against each other in by looking at us in the worst possible light yeah. as people. Um, so 
Christmas present really, really wants to pick this guy. And Marley's like, no, look at his file. He's unredeemable, which is going to be this this kind of like watchword for the rest of this movie. Like there are certain people who are dogmatically committed to the belief that people never change. They are they are so far beyond the pale. They have already figured out how human nature works and nothing is going to convince them not to be a cynical nightmare. Right. It's 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 just terrifying. And but it's. It's a concept that is being set up here for the rest of the film in a very nice, neat way that we will that we have to wrestle with with our other characters. And that's. It wasn't a one off. I was worried it was just going to be a one off setup because that could easily be the system here. You know, like, yeah, he's Mm -hmm. unredeemable, like. um, In Elf spoilers for Elf, okay. Um, but in that movie, um, the buddy, the elf's father is on the naughty list, but they don't really ever go back to him, like getting on the nice list. Right. They just like, it's kind of just forgotten about. We know he's naughty here. It's a, it's going to come up again and again, friends. Yeah. So, um, Christmas present reminds Marley that they have converted one, unredeemable before and marley's like yes but it was only one time and it's like so painfully obvious that that person was will ferrell's character and that that person obviously has to be you know ebenezer right. scrooge jacob marley will, knows- will ferrell's character is probably ebenezer scrooge i was gonna say jacob marley knows that will ferrell is superman okay <laughs> yeah yeah he knows his um, secret identity <laughs> yeah um so then will ferrell like starts singing a song and then Marley's like, All right, oh, my God, you don't have to sing a song. And what's really funny is that, like, Patrick Page is the is like the only true, like, Broadway star that we see in this movie. Yeah. And his only song will get cut off later. And he is continually trying to cut off people's songs. <laughs> and it's really funny to me because there's part of me that wonders if Patrick Page the whole time was like, oh, my God, you people are all amateurs. <laughs> Just a bit. Like, there's scenes where Will Ferrell is singing at Patrick Page. There's at least one scene where Ryan Reynolds is singing at Patrick Page. Like, other people. And I have to be like, this guy, he must be the world's best sport. <laughs> he's going to get to play present maybe on... Oh, maybe not present, but he'll definitely get a chance to play Marley on Broadway. I'll say that. There you go. He'll get to actually sing Story of Your Life. Yeah. Um, so... Oh, we'll get to that. Oh, <laughs> So we get a montage of them setting up for like Ryan Reynolds character, um, uh, Clint, his name is Clint, um, Clint Briggs, right? They get this montage of them sort of like doing all this, like basically opposition research and, and which is funny because that's like what Ryan Reynolds and his team do. Like they, they're essentially like, there's an intentional mirroring of the things that Ryan Reynolds does at his terrible media company and what the, the, the spirits of Christmas redemption or whatever do. Right. This movie isn't subtle folks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, but it's good. There's parallels here. So they, and which is going to be necessary as we go on. Yeah. So we learn about his family. His father wasn't really in his life. He had this mother who was an alcoholic. He had, um, you know, a younger sister or an older sister and a younger brother, right. Who are kind of his, uh, his, um, his fan. Right. Yeah. We're definitely going to get there's like there's definitely parallels to all of the Christmas Carol characters because Clint Briggs is obviously our Scrooge. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got kind of like an assistant, like an executive assistant, um, Kimberly, played by Octavia Spencer. Woo! Um, 
What a in get this, in this movie. Yeah. Big get. Um, and he has like a niece, uh, Ren, who um, lives with his brother, her other uncle, because her mother um, is dead. And they're all kind of like figuring him out. OK, this is what his life is like. This is what he does. This is what he believes. And then we flash forward to we're approaching Christmas. And they're, the spirits are like watching him all year long. It seems like they're following him around. They're taking notes. They're observing his behavior. And and um, they watch him talk to his niece. So basically his, his brother, Owen, who's like a long haired kind of like stoner doofus. It feels like. Just a smidge. Just yeah. a smidge. Uh, I, didn't feel, by- I didn't feel quite seen by this character. Okay. <laughs> But I had, uh, but I did feel like witnessed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, glanced at. Maybe more like glanced at. Like, yeah, I get what that guy's. It's like, no, yeah, I'm ca- not ca- no, casually no. side eyed, just a little. No, no, I'm not like that guy. But on my worst day, maybe. <laughs> on my worst day, maybe. Yeah. So his his niece Ren, who is like a straight A student, she seems to be like doing pretty well. She wants to run for student body president. She's got some ideas, right? And he's like, Ryan Reynolds' character clearly has a hard time like lying, right? Yeah. He 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 does not um, seem to have an easy time. Like, uh, weirdly, because of his job, you would think he would be good at this, but like with his family, he seems very bad at like obfuscating his true and kind of hurtful feelings. He's right. He, he's not the. He's not the man the way yeah. like he's not the guy like he had as they joked about they're eating out of the palm of his hand right in the previous song like they that, it doesn't work with them they know who he is yeah um and what's interesting is he he doesn't necessarily seem like a a bad or malicious person he's a cynical person and he's a kind of misguided person right um he's a little bit of a coward when it comes to like his stronger feelings, but he's not like a Scrooge. Like he does not revel in causing pain. There is like that degree of misery, but it's very modernized. Well, right. It's what's presentable nowadays. It's the misery, but the misery and the longing is still there. The misery is like charming. It's like Robert Downey Jr. Misery. Not like not. Yeah. uh, Act uh, one. Iron Man. You yeah. know, like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the competent man of the 21st century. Like, I can't be hurt, even though yeah. I'm suffering inside. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like a funniness, a wittiness to it. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, basically, his brother reminds him, like, listen, you told our sister you would do anything for this kid. He's like, all right, all right, all right, all right. And he's like, who are you running against? And it's this kid who, like, seems like another goody goody, like, volunteers with his parents at a homeless shelter and, like, gets good grades and he's popular and and all this stuff. And what he basically tells his niece to do is like, okay, you got to fail a couple of classes. Like, I need to see some, like, D's, maybe one F on your report card. That'll make you a man of the people. And then we're going to dig up uh, dirt on your opposition and we're going to we're going to take him out. Like, we're going to find his dirty laundry, his skeleton in the closet. We're going to air it out. And it's very, like... It's like all he knows. It's all he knows how to do is mm-hmm. is this like dirty game of manipulating public opinion. And there are no limits. There are no yeah. limits. There are no rules. This is a kid. This is yeah. a child that he is competing against right now. And it's no holds barred. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he basically tells Kimberly his his cratchit to go, you know, dig up some opposition research. Um 
it's really strong. Like this is, I think where this movie really shines is in how it approaches a like 21st century, 2022 Scrooge, right? Mm -hmm. In the same way that like Scrooge, it was like the crazy coked out, like yuppie executive, like living high in the Reagan times, Right. right? Now it's this like deep, dark, fake news, political manipulation. You felt it. You yeah. felt the weight of the times we are living in, friends. Yeah. Let's just be blunt. We are not living through a gilded age right now. And yeah. we are it, it might be known as a great depression. I like to call it the great confusion. And we are just in it and it's weighing us down and this movie shows that and her, her performance here. It is all in her face and her body, her shoulders. She really just is being you you want her in this song that's coming up to do what she doesn't do yeah um you're sing really well, rooting for but that's a difference <laughs> so i said yeah sing well would be nice also but like <laughs> listen this this movie commits like what i think is like the movie musical theater cardinal sin which is casting like really really good actors and then making them do a thing they are clearly uncomfortable doing which is trying to figure out how to do the thing they do while singing right like octavia spencer is world class and it is it is a crime that they make her awkwardly stumble through this song, which is a pretty good song. The view from here, I really like. I would have loved it if it was like a trained singer, like someone who could really sell it. It's a really interesting song, too, because it really talks about the struggle to rise up above one's, you know, you know, what they what they believe is their peaks or their glass yeah. ceilings, you know, to break through and rise and be more than what people think you're supposed to be. Right. And yet, as she goes up the rungs of the ladder, she just takes on dirtier and dirtier work because she's working for this horrible man, you know? And she can't take it except for the fact she can. Yeah. And that is, that goes back to Bob Cratchit. The fact that Bob Cratchit is willing to sacrifice for his family. Yeah. To be Bob Cratchit. Yeah, that's yeah. Th- and she is willing to be this Scrooge's assistant. Yeah. In this horrible op-ed research uh job. How um when you look at like this Scrooge and this Cratchit, right? It becomes very clear that this is not only an adaptation of a Christmas carol, but it's also a remake of Scrooge. Yes. like big time right like there are huge elements yeah let's let's follow the trail again right this is made because of scrooge scrooge is made they they can't do a direct sequel to scrooge without bill murray and they're not going to but they want to copy the feel of that christmas carol version but do a new modernized version that in itself was a sort of spiritual connection to the previous generation, which had, if I'm not mistaken, the Alistair Sim version, right? Is that what we were going on there? Yeah, Alistair Sim. I mean, you've got um, Alistair Sim's the big one. You've got George C. Scott in there as well, right? That, like that's more, I think, of what they're trying to portray in the special of Scrooge. Yeah, right. Like that that imagery that's also kind of used in Muppet Christmas Carol. That type of that type of Scrooge, all black and stuff. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. A little mm-hmm. bit thinner, a little bit taller. That's more, except for when I take that back, because in Scrooge, 
Who's playing our Scrooge in the TV special, John? Oh, um, Buddy yeah, Hackett. Who was it? Yeah, Buddy Hackett. Thank you, Buddy Hackett. <laughs> anyway, Not the we've, we've done <laughs> we've done two episodes on Scrooge. We got to get back to this. So, but um, yeah. So uh, we yeah. So we see that Kimberly is really torn about this, and she walks out at the end of this song like she's gonna quit, and then she can't quite bring herself to do it because what she discovers is that this this kid at the soup kitchen posted some dumb TikTok where he was like, when your parents make you spend Christmas with, with homeless people, ugh, gross. And it's sort of like, maybe it was a joke. Maybe it was his real opinion, but like he's 11, right? Like he, it could, I hadn't even thought of that, John. That's a great call. It could have been like, I was trying to give him an out somehow because you want to root for him. Right. But the fact that, yeah, maybe he was trying to be a knock joke, right? And it just didn't right. work. And, yeah. but even if it was intentional, he's a kid. Yeah. Kids kids make mistakes. Yeah. Not, not happy being at the soup kitchen on a Christmas Eve as a kid, right? Right. And what we see later on indicates that he see like, he takes it very seriously. So, anyway. Oh, um, but, yeah, they see this as, like, the smoking gun they're going to use against this kid so that um, Briggs's niece can win the election. Um, but then we find out that Kimberly, the mm-hmm. Octavia Spencer character, can see the ghosts of Christmas present. She can't see the other ghosts, nope. right? Nope. But for some reason, she can see him. And then... Uh, there's a really funny moment where like they shake hands and in the back, the ghost of Christmas present is just pointing at the handshake. It's really subtle, but it's there. He's pointing like, Whoa, what's that all about? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, have we talked about the fact that the ghost of Christmas future is played by um, uh, Tracy Morgan? Tracy Morgan is the ghost <laughs> of Christmas future. Chef's kiss. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, just- that's the whole joke. It right. literally the whole joke is just every, when he actually speaks, he can't speak during the hauntings, but when he speaks kind of in the office, it's Tracy Morgan's voice. And they knew not to play it up too much. They had yeah. him just in there just enough so that he can be solid. He didn't sing too much if he at all. I don't recall. He sings one time. Right. And it's and it's played Perfect. for a bit like Right. Yeah. And so but when you do it on Broadway, Sure, you can cast somebody else in the role and beef that role up with a solo song, but you don't need to do that here because we got to focus. We got to get through this two hours. Yeah. Um, But amazing performance. Amazing performance. Yeah. And so the impression we start to get is that Christmas present has a little bit of a crush on Kimberly. Right. That he like admires her because she's a good person and he's sort of into her. And like over this whole year of observing them, he sort of developed these feelings for her. And that's why she can see him. There's one point where they're like they're about to like kick things off. And you see Will Ferrell putting up a picture of Octavia Spencer on one of those like Charlie from It's Always Sunny boards next to another picture of Octavia Spencer. <laughs> oh, Peppa Sylvia. Yeah, there's yeah. a little Peppa Sylvia going on in this movie, uh, which yeah. I liked. I'm always a fan of that trope. Um, not only, though, let's go back up a second. While they're doing the op-ed research on um, Clint, Ryan Reynolds, our Ghost of Christmas past. Oh, yeah. It's starting to feel some vibes towards uh, our uh, Clint here. So just uh, keep that in the back of your memory there, friends. Okay, so it's the night of the haunting. Um, Ryan Reynolds' character is throwing this big party at his at his place. He's got this like penthouse, like swanky apartment. All of his pathetic rich friends are there. And 
um, he's uh, kind of getting ready for the party. And then he he goes to talk to someone and all of a sudden, like objects around his house start lifting up and shaking and then everyone disappears. And then we find out that Marley gets to kind of do his his bit every year where he shows up in all the chains and 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 scares the person like does a rewritten version of Marley and Marley. It's. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's story of your life, which is cool. It's kind of like a rock ballad. Like it's mm-hmm. very very fun. And then Ryan Reynolds repeatedly cuts it off to like meta commentate on the fact that like, wait, you're Jacob Marley, like in a Christmas Carol, and everything grinds to a halt in my brain because I'm like, wait, okay, why does a Christmas Carol, the novella? exist in this world where a Christmas Carol is obviously a real thing that took place. Mm-hmm. And they never explain like how that happened. You're just sort of told like both that Christmas Carol, Carol, the novella exists and the movie Scrooge, which they name drop here. Um, but also that like Scrooge and Jacob Marley are and tiny Tim and stuff are real people. It's the Hook universe. This is in the same universe as Hook, where, <laughs> where, where, where Peter Pan was real, right. got adopted, and became Peter Banning. Holy crap! I for years just thought it was Panning. I was like, "What? That's really stupid." Oh, Banning's. Oh, that'll distract from the connection yeah. there. Well, but um, at least Hook doesn't Hook sort of like imply that like the story that was written in the book Peter Pan was learned from like the family that went through, like they give you at least like a breadcrumb of like a, here's Uh, how the real event became the book. When this movie does not do that. Like they never talk about how Charles Dickens learned the story. No, no. In this one, Wendy is a part of the creation of the story. She, it's um, uh, Maggie Smith played uh, Wendy in that movie and it was real. The whole story was real. So here I'm guessing that in 1844-ish, give or take, you know, it, it really happened. And then it was a legend. And Charles Dickens wrote it as like a retelling of the legend of Ebenezer Scrooge. Right. But for reasons that we'll talk about later, it's like, how would he ever have learned it? It would have had to have happened in this like very specific way that we'll talk about anyway. Um, so Ryan Ryan Reynolds, like part of this, the purpose of that is that Ryan Reynolds is spends the whole movie kind of breaking apart the routine. Like, okay, wait, you do this every year. Like, what do you mean to be redeemed? Okay, I get it. Like, you're going to show me my past and my present and my future and try to change me as a person. So it presents this real serious challenge where like he knows how the sausage is made. So it's much harder to make the redemption sausage. And he's Um, not wowed by the effects of the supernatural, which kind of, I don't quite like that as a part of it, but you know, Uh, yeah. I'm also like, why, why is it Jacob Marley? And how are they not getting some dead person from his past or like some old mentor? Like you would feel like that's part of the routine, right? Like it doesn't make sense to me that Jacob Marley would just show up for everybody. I would have bought if he walked in looking like Marley, but had become, say, another character from Clint's past. And that that was his thing. Yeah. Like he shapeshifts to whomever is your Marley 
And because he does shapeshift. Like he's in yes. like full makeup. He's got the classic Marley look with the like the cool chains. It's very cool. Like it's, the Marley sequence, it's just over like that because they kind of make a joke out of it. Do you know why it's why it's this way, John? Why? Because Jacob Marley then can sing his solo on the Broadway version. That's why. Yeah, it definitely feels that way. Like there are a lot of these songs that get cut off where you get the impression, oh, this is going to be like a real thing when they do it for real. But because this is a movie, we have to make it a ha ha funny joke. Right. Um, and we're not going to waste time on a Jacob Marley number that we've all seen in A Muppet Christmas Carol, which I would also say influences this movie a little bit. Oh, yeah, certainly. I think it's hard to avoid that. Um we we get like almost immediately the start of Ghost of Christmas Past. Right? Yeah, we're going at a we're going at a, at a quick pace here, you know. Well, yeah, I mean the Marley one kind of jumps, and that's part of like the meta narrative commenting on this. Like it's a routine they do every year, but it feels to me like if this is a world in which Christmas Carol also like the novel also exists, how does this ever actually work? I think some people would buy into the special effects more. I think that they would look, this guy is somebody that doesn't get wowed at all at anything as we'll yeah. find out. So that's part I of guess, maybe why he's unredeemable. They don't go after unredeemable. Yeah. Like maybe because he sees through it, but maybe people that can be redeemed can, you know, the, the, the almighty kind of can still do something to him. Sure. I, and I guess like even, you know, we'll see the effect that the whole evening of Three Spirits has on Ryan Reynolds by the end in a roundabout way. Yeah. And if he's unredeemable, I guess it must work on other people. It just that that plot point of Christmas Carol existing blows a giant hole in my suspension of disbelief in this movie. It's something I'm constantly thinking about throughout it where I'm like, it would be better if that wasn't part of it. Yeah, but then Ryan Reynolds can't make his Deadpool comments, so that's also. I think be a he's. Thing. I think yeah, it is because it is kind of like also poke. It's like trying to have its cake and eat it too, like you said, in the way mm -hmm. that it is both trying to be a legitimate sequel to a Christmas Carol while also poking fun at a Christmas Carol, and it's hard to poke fun at something if you can't be self-referential about it. Um, I mean, this is pretty corporate, so I don't want to say it was done by committee, but this definitely had a lot of boxes it needed to check. Yeah, it's a very packed movie mm -hmm. um it's it's really really densely packed um it's not simple and that, that is why christmas carol is amazing because it is pretty simple when you get right down to the novella you know like yeah and yeah it's gonna sound like i'm dunking on on plot elements a lot i have a few like glaring major issues with this movie that are largely balanced out by how good like the overall writing is like it's a really really good story it is a really solid christmas carol it has one or two like big bugaboos that i would like to see them change when they inevitably put it on broadway <laughs> which i have a sneaking suspicion will th we both will think will be happening i i yeah, I, I have no doubts yeah. i have no doubts about some of the things that will have to change yeah we'll have to see how successful it is um anyway uh, like I said, Christmas Pass shows up and Christmas Pass is like real hot for Ryan Reynolds, like very ve like big into him to the point that it's deeply unprofessional. It's, um, she should have been taken off the case. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, come on. She, she, 
you're already going down one at that point. Like, like there's, you're not making it past. You could maybe have Marley pull it off, but no way was past getting through unscathed. <laughs> yeah, it definitely, like, it definitely seems like, I mean, Marley is the boss, but it definitely feels like the three big spirits basically have, like, uh, kind of are, are, uh, like recession proof jobs like they can do pretty much whatever they want <laughs> they're featured players on saturday night live marley is uh lord michaels yeah um so she kind of takes briggs off into the past and um then we jump over to will ferrell and and uh uh ghost of christmas uh future and there they're just kind of hanging out like waiting for their waiting for their turn to start right you get a nice shot of like the original ghost of christmas present on a big portrait in the background because we we know that we'll learn that will ferrell is like the second ghost of christmas present yeah that he's taken over for the original guy it was a nice way of acknowledging the traditional look too and it also gives a reason why some other looks aren't here you know yeah as we get presents entrance in a second she does not have very traditional um, Ghost of Christmas. Pre- uh, yeah. Sorry, past. I mean, Ghost of yeah. Christmas past. Like she, she's her got entrance. kind of like a red jumpsuit and then like a cool like white cape situation going on. It kind of it's almost trying to be a superhero, but like kind of like not. Yeah. And it like a Christmas themed superhero. It's a gorgeous outfit. I just will yeah. say it. like it, it's an entrance. And then. It's, it's it's almost kind of got like a um I can't believe I'm about to say this but like a you know what I can't remember his name but not Darth Vader from the sequels what did they call him in those movies Kylo Ren oh that guy yeah, yeah uh yeah. <laughs> Adam Driver like entrance type of vibe like powerful yeah. like oh yeah. damn and you think she's about to lay in on him on like show him the truth and um well, she's going to lay something with him because we we find out uh, uh, shortly thereafter that um, that Christmas past hooks up with Briggs in his childhood bedroom. Um, <laughs> Good God. <laughs> and she <laughs> she comes in and she's like, well, that didn't go so well. And she's sort of like clearly like in like sort of like a post coital haze. And uh, she <laughs> asks Will Ferrell if he can cover her shift for this one. <laughs> And and he's like, this is not the way it works. If, if this were like any other service-based career field, she would be like turbo fired. <laughs> like she's an HR's nightmare. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, Although we do find out that HR is enabling her later on. Oh God. It's, it's, it's kind of gross in a way, but yeah. you know, oh my um, gosh. So I, obviously like Will, Will Ferrell's like career is sort of hanging on this because he's the one who convinced them to do it. So he decides that he's going to go and handle Christmas past. So mm-hmm. he goes to the past. Um, and then I love when he comes out and he's like, Hey, listen, this isn't my usual gig. I just got to get the lay of the land. And he's like mm-hmm. looking around the bedroom, trying to sort of orient himself to like, okay, what are the things that we're going to use? Okay. I got it. Mm-hmm. Um, I got, I got uh, two kind of big alerts coming up because we have a Scrooge's mom alert, Scrooge's mom alert, Scrooge's mom alert. <laughs> Um, that's like the fun jokey alert. And then for anyone going to see this movie who hasn't watched it yet, I'm actually going to put in a, like a little trigger warning here for parental narcissism, because this, this is rough. This is a a tone. One of like two really serious tone dips in this movie that feel real out of left field. This mom 
sucks in like a uh like very real and kind of traumatic way it's the realness and pettiness and scumminess of this mom just is so real and i'm so terrified of its performance like i i was just like shivering watching it so john if you can describe what this dirtbag horrible human being did in this movie yeah so we see a um we see like ryan reynolds attention is kind of grabbed because he sees his sister um his older sister who's like a you know a 12 year old played by the same actress that plays his niece which i thought was a really nice touch and i didn't realize it because they like change your hair color give her glasses and it's like enough to kind of like throw you off and they don't do the marty mcfly thing where like they freeze on it so you definitely know it's the same actor yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like it's 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 tasteful and also we already know at this point that she has passed on in the present Right. Yeah, we've we've definitely we know in kind of like the profile that, that right. she's dead. Um, so she's coming into the house and he, and um, young Briggs, young Clint is really excited because he's just opened a gift and it's like a puppy bowl. Right. So the mom who's like drinking like an like an old fashioned and smoking a cigarette is like and and not and really super not in like a campy or like. Like, oh, yeah, 80s alcoholic mom character kind of like in a very like real and troubling kind of performance is like, oh, yeah, the puppy's out in the kitchen. You've been asking me for it. Why don't you go check? And then she goes out into the kitchen and is like, oh, I'm always telling you not to leave this door open. I guess the puppy must have slipped out into the kitchen. Right. Or out out of the kitchen door. Oh, that's too bad. What a shame. Right. And like Christmas. And she like obviously lied and the older sister is like is like no you know she's lying you know she wrapped that dog dish and then left the door open so that you would think that there was a puppy like she's doing this to be intentionally cruel and it's like ew gross and then the and i think the thing about this that was like hardest is like the mom then screaming at the older sister like why are you doing this to me you're ruining christmas right which again like I think if they had made the mom slightly campier, right? Yeah, it would have not played at all. But or if like if the kid had thought it was going to be a puppy bowl, but it was really some other like dumb thing, right? Like the meat in Scrooge. Like I almost feel like you could have gotten away with this being like, ooh, that's tough, but it also obviously doesn't feel real. This feels very real this in feel- a really upsetting way. This feels like a person who is not fit to be in the situation they're in who is going to fail or not even attempt yeah to make this holiday work and she does what she thinks is the best she can do which is well at least you got a mom who tried but you're a piece of crap yeah but and that's horrible that's horrible paying a cruel joke on him like it's it's no she's trying i she's not though Oh, she you think her it's mind, like just like the momentary excitement of the puppy ball? In her mind, her. she is proving Ew. that at least that she is a good mom. You know, I'm a good mom. Is she the worst Scrooge's dad we've had? Yes. Is, is in the yes. end, it's it's because she's Scrooge's belie- mom is the worst Scrooge's dad. She is believable. She is cruel. Yeah. She is 
like she, more believable in a way than the weird cutting the head off the mouse and singing Molly else. Malone one. Yeah, yeah like, like that was almost so far beyond the pale that it kind of was goofy. It was almost the modern day camp, like postmodern yeah. camp. Like it was like a, it's like okay, we get it. You're freaking ha ha, blood and guts and all the horribleness. No, this is somebody. Again, good thing for putting the warning in there. And I'm sorry, but people have gone through this type of crap. Yeah. This yeah, is the type I, I would say if you've had an experience with like a really super narcissistic parent, um, just fair warning. It's a really brief scene, but like I found it upsetting and that's not necessarily my experience. So like uh, it just felt a little too real, I think, for the the generally like kind of um, tongue in cheek tone of this movie. This and one other very significant thing feel uh, tonally too heavy to me. And we'll talk about that when we get there. I don't know if I would say that it's it's heavy. I'm not saying it's heavy. It's it's definitely heavy. But I think at some level this I don't know necessary, but it didn't hurt it, I don't think, for yeah. me. But I it de- but it definitely is it is a moment that could be triggering. Yeah, definitely. What does sell it in a really fun way, though, is how Ryan Reynolds like sees through it immediately. And he like sort of is like, oh, now I understand. This is why I'm the way I am. And then it becomes clear that he's like kind of poking fun. And Will Ferrell's like, what are you talking? This is like a painful experience. He's like, no, this is the best Christmas gift I ever got because it taught me a lesson that people will believe whatever they really, really want to believe. Right. Because he gets his coat on this little kid puts his hat and gloves on and goes out looking for this puppy and there is no puppy. And he just spends the whole night out there, or at least I don't know how long that poor kid was out there, but that is horrible. And that is hurt. People hurt people. If there's anything we've been repeating on this show, I hope that message gets through to as many people as you can understand. This is somebody that has just been hurt time and time again. And this is, and on Chris, I mean, of course, it's on Christmas. This is horrible. This is, and this is not the end of as we move on to another scene of Scrooge's mom. Yeah, we will get a little bit more Scrooge's mom later on. Um, she she dips out of the narrative pretty quickly, and uh, the, it, it sort of rushes through the Christmas past sequence, sort of because um, Will Ferrell's trying to hit all the key moments. Because Ryan Reynolds character is sort of seeing through the game. Um, right. So in, in, you know, just to, to keep it brief here, we get um, we sort of jump forward to like an office party scene that is like the most Scrooged thing ever. It well, feels like a direct visual reference to the Scrooge scene. Well, literally with the last scene, which is a remake and a, a, I would say actually an improvement of the previous scene from Scrooge. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. You get, you get that scene amped up in the modern one this is just a shortened simplified version of it but because he makes the different this scrooge is it's quicker about it the scene is tighter about it and we're out of it way faster yeah yeah um so i forget is the the girlfriend um the sort of bell character who whose moment in this movie is so like forgettably brief um is she at the office party like yeah. talking to him about the hashtags because he's looking at like Twitter on his old like computer and talking about how like this is going to be the thing. This is going to be huge. It's going to be on all of our phones. Can you hear that in the background? I can. Folks, for those who can hear the honking in the background, I can't leave and go look at it. 
but I know that that is Santa Claus outside <laughs> on a fire truck. Santa Claus <laughs> is outside on a fire truck. Merry Christmas, ladies and gentlemen. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. This is going to be awesome. I'm really glad that we're recording uh, Jacob Marley is Dead and Not Frodo Lives right now. Um, <laughs> it's, that worked we, out conveniently. Hey, hey, by design. By design. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, then we flash forward to the scene where we sort of see his family together. They're adults. They're at this mall. And we learn that his sister is planning to get artificially inseminated to have a baby. She's like tired of waiting for a guy to be around. Mm-hmm. And Briggs is like oh, that's, that's a terrible plan. Like, you're not very maternal, right? This is this thing where he, like, has a hard time telling the truth, right? Yeah. It's like, look, people have thoughts. Good people have bad thoughts, you know? Because you think a certain thing, you have your opinion, you've, you're only a compilation of your memories playing up against the current scene. That's just that. Yeah. So he it, his instinct, and who can blame him after what he saw with his mother and his childhood, right? Like, He's worried of like a lot of different things and he just says stupid stuff. Yeah. And the, the, their mom is there like already drinking, kind of hanging out with them. And she doesn't do anything too egregious other than being like day drunk at the mall. She has no power. Yeah. She's, lo- she's lost all her power. She's she's not the lead player anymore. She's an appendage to their existence in their eyes. Right, right. And they're all they all each of them have kind of figured out their own way of dealing with her. Um, Mm. So Nora, his girlfriend, who we like were introduced to 30 seconds before dumps him at the mall. um, And again, like Briggs seems largely unfazed by this and Christmas present doesn't understand why he's like, no, like you were in love with her. And he's like, like, I don't people move on. Like, I don't know what you want me to do. Uh, What starts to happen is we start to see Briggs like chipping away at the veneer of Christmas present and sort of like sort of figuring out like what like needling him and asking him these questions and trying to figure out like what his backstory is right he's much yeah. more interested in like okay who are you and how did you get here right like, because what does he do he does op-ed re- research right 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 he is going to start to find a way to break you down to make sure that he has no matter no matter how indefensible his side of the argument is He's got something on you, which brings you down, which, of course, then has to put him up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then we we kind of flash to um, sort of this, like, I guess his Fezziwig, like this guy who, like, took him under his wing, taught him everything he knows. But we see um, that uh, at his job, Briggs is using more and more kind of shady tactics to help his clients. And Briggs is basically like, listen. I, I'm going to go make my own firm. I'm going to take all your clients with me. And I know I have like a non-competition clause, but you're not going to enforce it because you are terrified of what I could do to you with these tactics that you don't like. And, um, Ooh. you know, Christmas present is pointing at it. Like, look, see, like, look at what a terrible guy you were. Like this guy taught you everything, you know, and you turn around to do that to him. And he's like, and Ryan Reynolds is like, yeah, but like, let's put it in context. Watch what I do over here. And what we find out is that he li- airlifted Kimberly out of a dead end job at that place and made her like a senior executive at his own firm because he recognized her potential. So we also start to see like, the cracks in this whole idea of like a bad unredeemable person. Like it almost, this movie almost starts to convince you that like, yeah, sure. The things that Ryan Reynolds does and the choices he makes are not good, but like, he's not a totally bad person. 
right? Like he identified this woman with talent and is like feeding into her. Now, granted, it's because it benefits him. And that's the thing that he doesn't say. But it's interesting. Because he's a narcissist. And he just sees a role that she can play in his reality. That's it. And he might try to convince himself that it's otherwise, but the, he deep down knows the truth, you know? And man, it's this movie's good at trying to juggle those emotions. But yeah, but it, whenever you start to sway too hard to one side of the argument, whack. Yeah, it's very good at pulling you back just at the point where you're starting to be convinced of one side. And then it's like, ah, yes, but over here, like it's very layered and complex, which I think is really good. Right. I think there's probably a plot line or two that they could have cut to give some of those things a little more space to breathe because the pace of this is like breakneck. It was so hard to take notes for. Well, remember, you're so all over the place. You're probably going to add in one or two more musical numbers. You're probably going to let some scenes breathe a little bit more. This I'm just saying, like, again, I know I keep bringing this up, but I really do believe this is just the start to what will be the musical. Yeah. Um, So uh, Christmas present kind of calls an audible at this point, and he lets them go to see literally a thing that happened yesterday where um, Briggs is telling Kimberly that she's got to do this opposition research on, uh, on, you know, an eighth grader or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Reynolds character is like, I like, I know I was here. I saw it. And, and uh, Christmas present is trying to show him like, look at how, much she is struggling with this choice you're making her make like you're not making her life better by giving her this job you're making her like a worse person the side effect of this is that uh briggs sees will ferrell's character talking to octavia spencer's character Mm -hmm. right from their weird interaction the day before and then he's starting to be like wait a minute you see her because you like her, right? So he's starting to figure it out. And so again, like Will Ferrell keeps calling these kind of like audibles. It's funny because he's like on his his like secret little headset calling into the main office. And we're going to jump to like, okay, we're, we got to do the big thing. We got to do his, the sister dying, right? Yeah. Which... Who boy. Let's get yeah. into it. Yeah, it's tough. So the sister... um Briggs's sister obviously died of like cancer or something along those lines. And she um, hinted at earlier on in the piece, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like going to ask him some question, but Briggs kind of panics. Clint does not want to go in there. This is his room 101 from like 1984. His worst fear is in that room and something that he cannot process and deal with. And he is not ready for this because he is when you go through as they kind of will get into the traditional um, Scrooge formula, right? You are primed and ready for that moment. Even if you break at that moment, whatever your last scene is, right? You are ready for it as it comes up emotionally because it builds up. You've gone through higher stakes and more things and you start to see that your truth being played out in front of you of who you have become. And he hasn't gone on this journey yet. He's seen snapshots, but nothing concrete and he can't handle it. Yeah. So he runs right. And like, they're calling it in like, we got a runner, we got a runner. But like, uh, this feels to me like a major flaw in the plan that it's this easy for him to like jump to the next thing. Right. Okay. And here's why it is. 
It's because they have to have something that they can replicate on Broadway. If it's really special effects-y and has like fades and and what CGI all over the place, they can't do it on Broadway. So all the transitions <laughs> have to be practical effects. But even with I'm um, think even within the like within the the mythology of it it's like he can just like just go where if he starts to run he can get wherever he wants and the spirits have largely little control over it it's it's definitely there to move the plot forward not because it actually makes sense suspension of disbelief john come on now i'm i'm trying man it's pretty it's it's (laughs) suspended on pretty thin wire for me in this one um yep so (laughs) he in a really, really tight moment, he runs into this room and he comes face to face with himself. And and the Ryan Reynolds that he comes into face with goes, what are you so afraid of? And it's it was like, I got chills. It was such a good moment because the build to it had been so strong. But yeah. then what you find out is it's like, he stepped into a scene of himself talking to his younger brother about, um, you know, something having to do with the niece. And then right. a table opens up and one of these like kind of subservient spirits comes out and is trying to talk to him like right. in Spanish or French, which it's like weird. They're speaking to him in another language. I'm not entirely sure why it was a, a weird choice, but he like kind of jukes her and dives down into this table that she's walked up out of. And he has escaped momentarily into this spirit world. Oof. It is. It's something out of freaking uh, Birdman happening here, dude. It is very fast and loose. And it, you know what it's actually? It's like Birdman meets uh, Mysterio sequence from Spider-Man. Uh, uh, not No Way Home. What's the one? What's the other home one? Uh, Far From Home. Far From Home. Far From Home is the Mysterio one. Yeah. Far From. Great movie, by the way. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. And that's a good sequence he, there, here, too. Where he's just going one thing after another, and it's, it's disorienting, and that's the effect that you have. Yeah. Um. So they they end up he like Christmas present sort of ends up chasing him into his office. Mm-hmm. Um. Ryan Reynolds' character Briggs discovers his like unredeemable file. Right. Um. He's sort of like you know they have this debate about like the merits of the plan and this whole idea, and so uh. What's Will up? Ferrell gets this very like this very, you know, kind of resolved look on his face and then he goes over to this door and he just kind of looks back and then walks through the door and I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's a good moment." And then it does the freaking Disney Marvel like now we'll undercut how great that moment was with like a funny bit. I was so mad. It, yeah. Cuz it was a really good moment. It would have been like a really strong character moment where like the ghost of Christmas present is going to go face his past and, and right. bring, you know, Ryan Reynolds along for the ride. But eventually it's just like Will Ferrell doing his like baby man screaming thing through the door, which he doesn't do as often in this movie as I expected him to do, but he pulls it out every once in a while. And you're like, ah, yes, this well, is the man who brought us step. Brothers. <laughs> it's like Jim Carrey, not being a Jim Carrey in a movie where it's yeah, Jim Carrey. Yeah. Like there's going to yeah. be a little bit of Jim. Car- and I love Jim Carrey, but there's going to be some Jim Carrey in a Jim Carrey movie. And there's going to be some Will Ferrell in a Will Ferrell movie. Yeah. Um, so they step through the door and we are back for at least a couple scenes in foggy London town, foggy London town. And I gotta say, 
it was awesome. It was yeah. a good set. It was yeah. it was it was a set. It was really built and mm-hmm. uh, it felt it this is where the influence of a Muppet Christmas Carol comes into play. Yeah, and I think also probably your Scrooge, like the Albert Finney Scrooge is definitely like Oh, this is where come in here. Well, yeah, this is where the connection to Albert Finney becomes apparent. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So we we do learn in this moment the you know, the big secret of the movie that, uh, uh, of course, the ghost of Christmas present was actually Ebenezer Scrooge and no one saw it coming. Suspicious hedgehog noise. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. so and and Will Ferrell pops out of this door playing a remarkably camp Ebenezer Scrooge, right? Like really heavy theatrical makeup, the big sideburns, right? He's basically telling this kid how excited he is that when his father loses his job at the mill that he just shut down, he's going to be able to foreclose on his house and make a lot of money. I mean, it was at this moment that I was a little upset that Paul Giamatti wasn't playing Will Ferrell, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Like I'll I'll just leave it at that for the moment, but I was like, man, he could really rock this scene. Well, and he's not- all I'm gonna say is watch that Verizon commercial. Oh yeah, <laughs> you called it. I'm not saying somebody in casting Christmas Carol Nostradamus, right? I'm not saying somebody in uh, casting listens to our podcast and was like, hey, I need to cast an Ebenezer Scrooge. Who could I get? Well, ah, Robert Downey Jr. is too expensive. But I can get I can Paul get Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. <laughs> 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 That's awesome. Um, okay, so it's great. And we get a nice little scene of somebody begging at Scrooge's door, uh, uh, Marley and Scrooge. And it is just your normal. It's very akin to the scene where the rabbit shows up in A Christmas Carol and is just singing the carols outside the door. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's great. And then at the end of it, he says, good afternoon. Yeah. And <laughs> friends, I hope you like this joke because it's around for about the rest of the freaking movie. <laughs> yeah, this this really they really drive this one into the ground. So they go into this. Bar they got T-shirts some... made, John. They got T-shirts made. Yeah, big, big time. Um, So they go into this bar and they kind of like spirit themselves into some victorian disguises and they're sort of talking about like okay so what happened to scrooge right and we learned that scrooge died three weeks after his experience with the ghosts right so he was a good person for all of about three weeks hey i mean look maybe he was just spending his money like he wasn't gonna live tomorrow and then he saw the bill or like the lack of money i was like oh my god heart attack died <laughs> Like, well, he does say like the leading cause of death was January is kind of the joke that they make. Um, I mean, that's a good joke. That's so a- here's what this raises into question. This kind of brings up like the the character beat that's going to be sort of motivating the rest of, of the movie is how do you know that you weren't that you were really redeemed? Like, how do you know you actually changed if you were only alive for three weeks? Like anyone can be good for three weeks. Right. And and, and how and of course that. If you can question any amount of time, you can question um, the greatest of time as well. Three weeks, three years, three decades, and which then we can all, because we're all seeking redemption in some way. We all have done something right. we, we're not proud of. And 
that gets the audience to start questioning that of themselves too, which amps up the stakes of the movie big time. Right, because we've seen Ryan Reynolds' character like largely unaffected except for by the death of his sister, right? Mm -hmm. His sister is like the only thing that has any effect on him. Everything else, he's like, uh, okay, like this is very obvious. Like I see what you're trying to do and he's trying to figure out, uh, you know, who we have learned is Scrooge, right? Right. And then they break into this song because it, it turns out that like Good Afternoon is is like the FU of Victorian London. Right? Yeah. It was like, if you say it with some stank on it, it really lands. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and Ryan Reynolds breaks into this song, which is thank you very much. Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. 100 percent this is what i was like this is albert finney they're doing yeah. they're doing scrooge oh my god this is great and it's yeah. and it's what it's actually a really funny number it is and again the best numbers in this movie are ryan reynolds numbers yes even though he is on purpose doing the worst british accent i've ever heard yeah, but it's a bit, right? Like so no, many it's other things. A bit. But yeah, even yeah. I was like, can you stop that? <laughs> yeah. And basically he's trying to convince Scrooge to live a little. Say good afternoon to some people. Like enjoy being bad for a little while and realize it won't kill you. Like you gotta get over yourself. Stop trying to be perfect, right? Uh right. Judy Dench has a cameo in this, which is really funny. There are some sneaky cameos in this movie, folks. We won't yeah. get to all of them, but they're out there. Enjoy it. Yeah, and it's funny because she walks across and says something about Judy Dench, and it's like, oh, hey, it's Judy Dench. It's Judy yeah. Dench. Um, and it's fun because they're like doing it's very much thank you very much. They're like dancing through the streets or like consider yourself from Oliver. Like it's it that vibe of like that era of musical. It's that's what every it's really like going for that vibe as well. And it's just has like, you know, the people doing it knew that material and were trying to pay tribute to it in the worst possible way. And that comes across because while this is a big budget musical, right? It's still relatively small when you compare it to other productions out there. Right. Yeah. So there, this was done with passion. This was done. It's not just a solo, like a, a soulless, like corporate thing. No, this was done with some heart. And I think that you definitely see it in like scenes like this where, it's pretty darn good. Yeah. Um, so uh, Jacob Marley catches them and basically like reads them the riot act and is like, you, my friend, I've got to do your part of this thing. Like get him into his present and do your thing by the book. Right. right? So Ryan Reynolds wakes up Um he comes down into his party and then we hear like the ho ha ha come up and know me better. And so we get like Will Ferrell doing proper Christmas present. He's got the garland. He's got the robe. He's sitting on the big pile of food. Um, this is by the book. This is you yeah. are going to wear what the previous and I would suppose maybe the first ghost of Christmas present, right? War, you know? Yeah. Or how we don't know how many there were before it, but like, it's pretty pretty traditional garb. Um, yeah, and it's funny because like they they make a joke about how he's like, listen, I, my boss is breathing down my neck. I gotta kind of do this like the classic way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then they take off, and in one of the funniest jokes in this movie, they like fly through the air, and Ryan Reynolds is freaking out, and then they land like right back where they started because the first place they're going Christmas present <laughs> is the party that they were already at. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense when you consider how small his social circle is. You know? Yeah. 
Oh, man. Um, and so we learn, basically, I mean, his friends think he's kind of a, a jerk. Like, they're like, they're his friends. But they don't really, his friends don't really like him. Right. And he seems like kind of unfazed by that. He but assumed Kimberly, it already. He assumed yeah. it already. Yeah, he has to. And he doesn't seem to be the kind of person who's interested in attachments anyway. Right. Right. Um, so then Kimberly is at this party, right? The Octavia Spencer character, and she sees Christmas present. Right. And he had made a like he had said to her earlier that he was the ghost of Christmas present. She kind of like thought it was a joke. And then he's here at the party in the ghost of Christmas present costume. It's like a fun callback. Um, It's like costume party to get away with it. Just just a smidge of it. Right. Yeah. And this is and there's a couple of good bits in here because one of the people at the costume party is dressed as Buddy the Elf. We'll see later. (laughs) Right. There's a guy there dressed as Scrooge. So there's a lot of like kind of meta jokes and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, And then. Um. Uh, Briggs in this moment like kind of figures out what it is that Will Ferrell wants like what Christmas present wants he figures out that he's like into Kimberly right yeah. and so this is where it sort of breaks into um this reprise of the story of your life sung by Ryan Reynolds where they're kind of jumping through these different like Christmas present moments and he's trying to convince Will Ferrell like this is what you want mm. because they go and they see like, um, you know, Nora, his old girlfriend in the present day with her family. And Ryan Reynolds is like, this isn't what I want. This is what you want. Like you want this family. You want, you know, this like happy life, right? You've got to think about whether or not this is like a thing that you want. Well, it's the it's the continuation of the of uh, the bell plot, you know, like it's yeah. he it's never something he can fix in the original story, the traditional selling of the story. Only in bad versions do they try to do that, um, which aren't as many as I thought they were going to be. Um, well, give it time. Oh, boy. Yeah. And it's it's a fascinating like second chance. And I like how it's like. He's not really hung up on Belle or bringing Belle up, but he does want a family. He never got that experience. With with all the wealth he had in life, he never got to have a family. And it's a fascinating interpretation of Scrooge. Like, no, I could have been a good man if I did go after what I truly wanted, which was a family and committed to Belle. And I'm like, at this point of the movie, I was like, this is a fine line they can walk. Right. And I got like it's razor thin. And if they go too much one way or the other, this movie is going to fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So what essentially this leads into is like. uh, We get a couple more Christmas present scenes. We see that like at this ice rink on Christmas Day, his niece is going to post the TikTok that her opponent made and it's going to blow up the kid is going to see it it's going to have this negative impact on him like he's really upset by it and Um, not that it really i mean he's just the kid living his life but where is the kid at at this time john yeah he's at the homeless shelter like when he sees it right right? and he makes the and the kid even makes this choice like he doesn't want his dad to post a picture of him at the homeless shelter because he doesn't want to seem like he's doing it just for the publicity right right? so like he's a genuinely good person um he saves the the cat he yeah. saves the cat. Yeah. The Ghost of Christmas Present is not good at his job. Even though it's like it, it, it's sort of implied that he's good at his job. 
he but we never actually see him be good at his job because as soon as Ryan Reynolds character is starting to have like misgivings about what he's doing mm-hmm. the ghost of Christmas present is like yeah this is it you've got it like lean into that feeling and Ryan Reynolds is like hang on hang on well like, I think- stop trying to manipulate me right Right. What is it that you're like scared of? Like, what is it that you're holding back from? He's always trying to turn it back around. Well, or maybe was was the was Scrooge trying to get on his level now that they're bros? You know, like right. Like it's 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 the the weirdest plot element of this movie. Yeah, I interesting choice, but when you really consider, it's two Scrooges. You know, growing out about being Scrooges. Sure, there's something there. Um. But no, and it's, yeah, um, one second, lost my train of thought there. Where it's were right. we we'll, we'll keep it moving. So um, at this point, Will Ferrell's like, okay, we're, we're, we need to do a do-over on the dying sister scene. So they jump back into Christmas Pass for a second, which I, this is the thing that I loved was the mechanics of like him having to call up old scenes and break the rules of the system because of how hard it is to get at Ryan Reynolds character. Yeah. Um, so they go back to the dying sister scene. We see it in full. And basically his sister asks him to take in her daughter when she dies. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I'm that I'm not like the dad type. That's not going to work. I would be bad at this. Like he resists it. Mm -hmm. And then he basically like pawns the responsibility off on the younger brother. Yeah. Right. And then, and like, which is like heart wrenching to see the, the the mom is making the choice of who this, but she can't, you know, she she can't make her choice. It's being changed on the fly for by Ryan here. Yeah, and then he says, and she's clearly like shattered by it, right? Like she's just in mourning at that moment of it, and then. He says the skeeviest line of the movie, maybe. You know, I pay for everything. Yeah, that's pretty gross. And 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 that's exactly what Scrooge says, which is when you think about Scrooge's knee jerk reaction to that. Mm-hmm. That's basically if they're going to die, they better go ahead and do it because my taxes pay for the best way of them to living. I'm paying for this kid. Don't guilt me. And that's what's happening there with Ryan Reynolds. It's later in the movie, but it's almost used as a third act kicker of all hope is lost because he's not, is he redeemable? He does that act in the past. And then in the present, after everything he's seen, he still says the line of the movie to me, at least that like, that's like, what a crappy thing to say. Yeah. Um, so, uh, they get into this kind of altercation. They get into this argument about it. Um, and Briggs like kind of puts his finger on Christmas presents, real fear that he is still unredeemable that this, like the reason he's fighting so hard to try to redeem Briggs is that he needs to prove that people can be redeemed. And he died three weeks after he was redeemed. So he doesn't know if it's possible. Marley shows up, tries to break it up. Right. But then as, um, He's trying to send Briggs back to um, his bed for the third part. Will Ferrell stops it and we get the worst song in the movie, Unredeemable, which is just like it is like every I'm soul searching and singing about my feelings and like it. it's the most painfully generic 
just like hero in the dark night of the soul kind of song musical number electricity like it's like every single one of those songs and to the point that people are doing like a flashlight dance in the background of it which is a buck wild choice because they're gonna do it on broadway because this is the act one finale yeah this is why it's so big and out of place it is a little out of place it's and it's also like this is really where you see like the Will Ferrell dad singing in the shower and how much it undermines any pathos these songs have. Because in five minutes, folks, he's actually going to be singing in a shower. Just get ready for that. Yeah, it's true. Um, um, look, so it's look, it's not a great song lyrically. It's a generic time song. We know what's going to happen by the end of the song. There are no real, the choice has already been made when he starts singing it. Yeah. I, like that's the problem with some songs when you already know what the end result's going to be you don't enjoy the journey you know because like get to the fireworks factory damn it yeah and it doesn't do the thing that a musical number should do which is take you from the emotional moment and propel you forward it brings the emotional moment to a grinding halt Mm -hmm. because it's a little bit too long because it's got these like really distracting bad choreography in the background because, because it's, an it's act Will Ferrell. <laughs> and it's an act one finale. It has to yeah. be it has to be almost a showstopper because we're about to go to the bathroom. And if this was like Neil Patrick Harris, right? Yeah. If this was Mandy Patinkin, if this oh. was if this was any other like if this was Hugh Jackman, if this was any other like movie star who's also a musical theater person, it might have been better. But uh, uh, Will Ferrell, God bless him, cannot sell me this moment. Um Yeah. And but what it ends with is is him accepting his retirement, which he had kind of bluffed that he was going to do earlier in the movie to convince Marley and then mm-hmm. backed out of. Right. So there's this like pocket watch that he's got to grab. It's like a weird MacGuffin. Yeah, it's a it's. It's there. <laughs> Just is. Yeah, it's, I forgot about till this moment, to be honest with you, John. Yeah. Which, well, which, and it is it, it is kind of our act one finale. So he accepts his retirement. And before we can talk about what's coming up next, we need to pay our clerk. So stick around through a quick ad break and we will be right back with the back half of this movie. If I stopped you half a crown for it, you'd think yourself ill used, wouldn't you? Hmm? But you don't think me ill used if I pay a day's wages for no work, do you? Tears hmm? only once a year, sir. It's a poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. What's up, dudes? I'm Jerry D of Totally Rad Christmas, the podcast that talks all things Christmas in the 80s. Toys, movies, specials, music, books, fashion, and fads. If it was gnarly during Christmas in the 80s, he's got it covered. Wait, is there a lot of things to talk about for the 80s and Christmas? Well, you got the movie giants like Christmas Vacation, Scrooge, and A Christmas Story. There are TV specials like Muppet Family Christmas, Claymation Christmas Celebration, and a Garfield Christmas Special. Plus classics shown every year. You also jam out to Last Christmas, Do They Know It's Christmas, and Christmas in Hollis. But most of all, it was a time for the most bodacious, best-selling Christmas toys ever, like He-Man, G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Cabbage Patch Kids. Yes, them too. We cover them all, plus much more, including standard segments like Hap Hap Happiest Memory, Gagney with the Spoon, The Other Half of the Battle, and Chant with the Littles. So tune in to Totally Rad Christmas everywhere you get your podcasts. Turn the clock back and dive into those warm and fuzzy memories. Later, dudes. 
So, for some reason, uh, Scrooge wakes up in Ryan, right next to Ryan Reynolds in his bed. So this is another gigantic question I have. How, well, like, how does this retirement thing work? Because he just wakes up as like a middle-aged dude. Yeah, so he's taken his retirement. He's going to try to live a re- as a redeemed life and see if he can stay a good man. And I think of reincarnation, John, as growing back up as a different child. Maybe some believe it will be a different type of animal or something like that. But I don't think I would start as a fully aged, if not senior citizen, as version of myself yeah because will ferrell has is is he in his 60s he's approaching it he's knock knock knocking on heaven's door <laughs> like <laughs> like he's not like like he's he, he's in his 50s at least i think like yeah like he was in his 30s in the 90s right so it's it's just yeah so i guess you you come back from retirement at whatever age you ostensibly were as an like is that the age he was when he died and he just gets it's it's very strange you and again what? it's one of these things where it's like this is a plot convenience mm-hmm. not a thing that makes sense within the universe All right, well, let's get through this quickly because this is where, I mean, it's a good movie, but it's kind of silly at this point because it gets into very familiar beats that you've seen in other movies. Yeah, so he he's like getting used to being in a body that experiences like gravity and stuff, but he's also acting like he's a man from outer space. Like, I I, I mean, I get what he was going for here. The sensations have been taken away from him and now he's getting... It's like overflowing him with so much. It's kind of like, wow, John, get ready for this callback. Our town. And <laughs> when she goes back for her for that one day, you know, like, sure. And everything is too overwhelming for him. He's got to process that. It feels very generous to compare this to Thornton Wilder. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> hey, you didn't think that would happen today, but woo. This is definitely like let's 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 give Will Ferrell a little bit of leash and see where he goes with it. And where he goes with it is like I want to wash my butt and take a shower, and I don't understand how clothes work. And it's it's very weird because it's it's not like he's not been around modern day people. It's not like he's like a man from the past that's suddenly in the future. Like he's been in he's existed through time and has interacted with people like all of the people he interacts with at the spirit office are all ostensibly like disaffected millennials like right they've they've come in for a patch of time they're gonna do their little bit here and there they've been given a choice i feel like they've been given a choice maybe it is indentured servitude i don't know but i will say this or maybe it's a maybe it's a job to get a second life like to earn a second crack at life or a second crack at existence, you got to do the work. Anyway, though, he grew up as he was Scrooge. 1844 is when we know he dies, right? Yeah. And he keeps talking about it. And it's not a new thing to the movie's credit. It's been building up to this. He doesn't, he doesn't experience what indoor plumbing is like and like hot shower. So it's like the greatest thing in the world to him, which does make me chuckle every once in yeah, a while it's when a funny I'm, bit yeah anytime i'm feeling blue and i just want to feel like you know you don't think you've done this or that in your life i just think about the fact that every night before i go to bed or eat my meal i get to watch a play performed for me every freaking <laughs> like, night like you're a roman emperor yeah. alexander the great ain't got shit on me all right yeah. <laughs> good grief um <laughs> 
So, uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds dresses him up in, in like some tight clothes and sends him over to talk to Kimberly. Um, and he kind of admits that he wanted to like, he wanted to redeem Briggs because he just needed to know that it was possible. He still has this fear that he's unredeemable and it's holding him back from like connecting. Um, and we get, uh, so two things happen at once. Like, Christmas present leaves with Kimberly and they're going to go take like a walk around the city because they're like feeling like a little bit feeling out like, Ooh, this could be a relationship. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. Christmas future shows up and this is my, like, this is our top five favorite Christmas future entrances. And why is that John? What does the ghost of Christmas future proceed to do to our Scrooge here? Mr. Clint. <laughs> so he, he like Clint looks over and he sees this elevator opening up and people are getting off. But then like the ghost sort of steps into frame out of the elevator. Like he was hiding in the corner Mm -hmm. and walks in and you get this great tracking shot where like the camera's pulling back as the ghost is walking in and it's cool. The ghost is practical, which I think is really, really awesome. And it's like a real fun, like kind of like half puppet, half costume sort of situation going on. You could tell it was, but you didn't care because of how good it looked. Yeah, and the actor inside the um this guy yeah. Lauren G Woods who who is like the body mm-hmm. um he's obviously just like a super tall dude um playing the ghost does a really nice job with it. It's the Vader of our time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. Sure. <laughs> so anyway, um and he just comes in and he points at Briggs and Briggs is like this guy and he points over i forget what the first costume is because it's a costume party oh what briggs is wearing well briggs is wearing like weird sexy santa claus which is you want to punch him the whole time that he's wearing yeah. that in the movie like yeah like like it's a stupid sexy briggs like yeah yeah <laughs> um but he, he points to the first guy and the spirit's like no you like pointing at him yeah. and then he pulls over the guy that's dressed as scrooge and he's like come on this come on look at him right and the ghost is like no you right right and he hauls him out we will also learn that christmas future has like a bone to pick ha 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 with briggs for <laughs> for reasons that'll become clear at the weird techno okay, like uh, starfleet okay, graveyard later hold, on back up hold up sance <laughs> <laughs> you just pull the papyrus sans type of bone joke out and i think that deserves a round of applause folks that was very nicely done there you go. There you go. Um, so uh, we get, uh, God, like another terrible song because Will Ferrell and uh, 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 Kimberly Octavia are walking um, in front of a green screen under this like Manhattan bridge somewhere. And they're singing a reprise of The View from here. And it's like, a can you feel the love tonight? Uh, by way of two actors who look like the most uncomfortable I've ever seen two actors look like the song them trying to sing the song just like put a bullet in the head of any chemistry that they might have had in this moment for and, me and they do have some chemistry I think yeah they 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 play off there's good banter there in the previous scenes we've had with them definitely and and you and they are very sympathetic characters i mean scrooge in a sequel so you already know who scrooge is depending on your version right and it's a new cratchit and we're rooting for these characters to fall in love and it's 
it's kind of funny now i'm thinking about like shipping like scrooge and cratchit and like that's got a whole other type of thing you know yeah that's got to be a first right because this that is what we're getting right is like is like a scrooge cratchit love story unless you count the uh the belly kiss from scrooge but i don't think that counts you know i'm gonna choose not to count that (laughs) (laughs) um Oh, Bobcat! No, yeah, and like it's cute, and they like kiss and stuff. Um, it's 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 a it's the exact song you think they sing. Yeah, save um, yourself the five minutes. Go make some popcorn for the third act, people. So, meanwhile, in Christmas Future, um, Ryan Reynolds is watching his niece preside over student government because obviously she won after disparaging this kid. But then, like, they all get texts on their phone. And then the second, like, real serious heavy tonal dip of this movie happens because we learn, again, trigger warning. Yeah. That that the kid that she defamed to get her position was so... um, upset by the harassment that he received that he took his own life now they don't explicitly say that but by implication that is what happened right self-harm is indicated at yeah. some level possibly that we we cut to after the phone alarms go off to a vigil outside of a location like the school it looks like somewhere at the school and flowers being placed in front of a picture of our uh, candidate that she's competing against and it i mean look it felt like he that he had killed himself there it is too heavy now like they need to have a heavy moment this is tiny tim yes right like this is the tiny tim moment and they they need it to be serious enough that it like breaks Briggs resolve and is like, oh no, this I need to fix right now. Right. What I'm if wondering they- if there was something they could have picked that would have fit the overall tone of the movie better while still having that seriousness. What if this is the scene you get? You see her at at student council meeting just being her worst, right? And then instead of the text alarms going off. You just cut to him. And I'm going to get a little sad with imagery here, folks, so I'm sorry. But instead of him having already done it, you just rip off It's a Beautiful Life. And he's at the bridge. So, like, the there's, like, an implication? Like, he's, 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 he's approaching to jump. And the scene amps up to Ryan Reynolds wanting to stop him from jumping. But he doesn't jump because we cut to the next thing before we see it. I can fix this. I can fix this. Okay, so it's like he, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. We know he's considering it. Like it's, it's, things it's are getting dark on yeah. the freaking table. Yeah, yeah. I think I that feel, that's interesting. That might have had the same urgency without being so committed. I mean, it's essentially the same. And they do comment on the future is fluid, right? Like it, 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 it's always in flux. So right. like it's maybe you know and well that of course you know that's always what goes on in the third act here folks right um so what's interesting right is like he's so like oh no 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 like i cannot let i cannot let this happen to my niece i cannot let her experience like being responsible for this consequence of my actions and choices right so he sort of like goes on a runner again and just sort of rushes through the rest of the, the common beats. So it's right. like he sees his old self having a heart attack at his desk. He's like, Oh, old me dying. Got it. Got it. Moving on. Like we got to get to the next thing. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Comments on the score of 92. Not bad. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything's a competition. Even in this moment, 
I love how the futuristic graveyard is like it's like big these big plexiglass like lit up gravestones with pictures of people's faces on them. You that people, was fun. You people are I'm look, I'm not saying trends change change, but I don't think gravestones are gonna get that futuristic. It's like when they have to have like neon color symbols in like Star Trek uh like Nemesis, right? Like come on, the future could just have regular instruments. I'm just saying. Sure, but it's like a funny beat. It's just like, oh look, it's the it's it is the future by way of headstone being lit up at night. Yeah, it's just like a funny. It's like no, they I were like, it. oh, because we know it always has to end at the graveyard with them looking at the grave and the life that they squandered. But it's like he lives till he's ninety-seven years old and like mm-hmm. is clearly success. It's almost like this is it's poking fun at sort of like the finality of that moment. Like, why does it always have to be the graveyard? So they make the graveyard this like funky looking future graveyard, right? Um. And that's why maybe my scene doesn't work, in my opinion, because, like, if you're going to do that, he's got to snap out of it right there. That's the Tiny Tim moment, right? Because the choice is being made and you have a choice to make as well. So you're in competition with your choices, right? One will lead to the other directly. Yeah. Um, So he... is, is basically like, okay, I get it. I get it. Like, can you send me back so I can stop that other thing from happening? Like he does not care about anything else. Mm-hmm. He wants to save that kid and save his niece. Mm-hmm. Right. Stop her from making the choice. Um, uh, <laughs> Christmas present is finally, or Christmas future, I should say is pro- finally able to like yell at him. Future is mad. John. Yeah. yeah. Um, because he's like he's like you made my friend retire you ruined everything and there was like a whole bit earlier on where like christmas future was trying to come up with like a catchphrase and they're all the it's very you know tracy morgan kind of catchphrases we don't want to spoil that little detail friends go watch the movie it's nice yeah um so you know briggs uh sinks into the ground wakes up and will ferrell is like there at his apartment kind of hanging out um and uh, Will Ferrell's looking like a little bit. He's like a little on the drunky side f- from the the night before. Just a little bit, just a smidge. Yeah. Um. And Briggs is like, okay, okay. What day is it? Okay, it's Christmas Day. All right. So like, she's gonna go to the ice rink on top of this building. She's gonna post the tweet, and that's gonna like cause everything to spiral. So I gotta get there and stop her beforehand. Um. Right. He like runs down the stairs. He gets himself concussed lightly falling down the stairs. Which I was like, are they gonna like? kill him or something this way like what's gonna happen here right moving and along then we get what is a very explicit scrooge reference right when they get in the taxi yeah that was that i mean that was one-to-one and it's not the only one we're getting we were at they get in the taxi there's the reference there they get to the building where they got to get to with the ice rink on top and as they get into the elevator they start talking about who was that little guy I helped save all those oh, years yeah, ago? Yeah. <laughs> t- t- and like, he's like, it was Tiny Tim. No, it was like Little Larry or something. Small uh, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a dumb joke. Um, it, that's, that's. It's the- a dumb joke that has a good payoff later. Right. But it also is like, that's in there because the trailer. They need to put mm-hmm. that in the trailer so you come and see it. Because it's a big Will Ferrell, Ryan Reynolds, b- buddy comedy. You know, like. Yeah, big time, big time. Although it does kind of give away the the big secret that Christmas present is Scrooge. Anyway, yeah. Um, 
So they get up to they get up to uh, this like ice rink on top of this building where his niece is with his brother and stuff. And um, he's like rushing out onto the ice to stop her. Um, But then he like slips and trips. And then like for some reason, Kimberly is there. Right. It's a musical. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, I got to talk to you. And then she like starts singing this song about how like. She told uh, Ren, the niece, to like, you know, that her choices are what matter. Her choices are what make her who she is, which is the thing Will Ferrell told her earlier. And then she like starts singing a song and then they do the thing where they like they cut off the song to do a haha funny bit, making fun of the fact that it's a musical. Mm. Um, this almost ruined this moment for me. Like I was almost like I just want Ryan Reynolds to go up to her and take this moment seriously and tell her not to do it. But it's not there, and there's a good reason it's not there. Yeah, so why don't you explain what actually does happen? So, John, I'm with you. I'm watching this, and I'm like, can't you just let the guy make the speech? Like, just let him have the moment where he comes, like, he has, like, the redemption, and we can see it. And he does, and, and Kimberly comes up, and we has her moment. And everybody's happy, and Will Ferrell's happy. And in the middle of Will Ferrell being happy, in the middle of this, he's like, you're redeemed now, right, buddy? You're redeemed. And he goes, and Ryan Reynolds goes, no, I am not redeemed. Yeah. So this is a much better version of the ending of the Guy Pierce Christmas Carol. Yes. Right? Where he's like, no. I did one good thing. I, I like rectified something that was obviously a bad choice, but I'm going to go back to my job tomorrow and keep doing the same thing I'm doing right. because you don't like, that's not how this works. Like you don't just get to become a different person after one night. Like right. I'll do you the best I can and I'll make some good choices and some bad choices. Like what do you want from me? Right. Right. And it is like, you're left with like, so it's, Like you as an audience member, look at it and you're like, yeah, like he did the right thing. And he told his niece that he was proud of her because she's a good person like her mom and like all this stuff. And you're like, yeah, so like he's like an okay person. He he's a he has a bad job that is bad for society. But like. I mean, who's perfect? Like you're sort of left with this like questioning and it just feels like weird and off because it's a Christmas carol and you want it to have. Yeah, like you want it to have that like the 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 catharsis of the redemption, right? If this was a sports movie, we would be down in the ninth inning right now. Like it's yeah. not like my God, we need a home run and we're not going to get it from this yeah. cynical bastard. So he's trying to convince Will Ferrell like it's OK, like this is OK. Right. You it, like you can be whatever you want. I can be whatever I want. It doesn't matter. Like none of this is like life or death and Will Ferrell's like not having it. So he runs down to the street. Right. And he's basically like, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have retired. Uh, I've got to, I've got to die so I can go back to the spirit world and get my job back. And then we can figure it out. Right. And Ryan Reynolds is trying to be like, how about like, listen, we're, we can just be friends and, and it's fine. right? Right. And it almost convinces him. But then Will Ferrell like runs in the street and tries to, to get hit by a bus. Which is a very big choice to have yeah. happen, but that's how much this Scrooge wants 
to know that he's redeemed and that people can be redeemed. Yeah. Because, and this is what's been gnawing at him the whole time, the guilt, the guilt of the man he was and that he has not earned this redemption. Yeah. And he only had like three weeks after a lifetime of whatever. Who couldn't be good for three weeks. Right. And he, and this guy who I thought was like me, is it redeemable? And I gotta, I gotta, I gotta save him to save myself. And I don't, I haven't earned what I now have. My wife, my kids, I don't have, the, I haven't earned that. I've got to earn that still. And he puts himself in front of that bus, and he's gonna kill himself so that he can go back to be the Chris Ghost Christmas present. But John, Ryan Reynolds runs into the street and pushes him out of the way of the bus, right? And within like the nick of time to the point that like time freezes and he's there with the bus like two inches from his face. If that. So if time unfreezes, he is absolutely getting hit by that bus. But in sacrificing his own life to save Will Ferrell, he is indeed by the rules of this weird system. Right redeemed right Mm -hmm. and so uh you know marley shows up and the spirits show up um uh we get this song like do a little good and it's like you know his redemption moment it turns out that he can be a good person but even in that moment he's like a little resistant to it he's like no like Really? Are you sure? Well, remember, because he's too cynical to believe in the idea of like redemption. Right. And he got his file. He knew he was unredeemable. So yeah. he was self-doubting himself. Maybe he, if he didn't see that, he would have been able to believe it more of himself. But he's believing his own worst narrative. He is at that before this moment, the worst voice in your head. We all got that voice. Maybe if you don't, God bless you. But that voice that just gnaws at you sometimes was given complete validation by that file. You're unredeemable, yeah. dude. You're a piece of crap. So yeah. now he's got to come to the slow realization. My gosh, I, I'm redeemable? Me? Right. Even me? And yeah. that takes a moment for him to process. Yeah. Um, and we get like a big schmaltzy musical number here. Um, and really then, good number. I actually really dug this one. Do a little I, good is pretty. Yeah, it's pretty good. And it feels very like final where you're like, yeah, like he's redeemed and we did it and it's great. And then the song ends with them like kind of back where they started, like in front of the bus. Like right? in that backward twist back into the positions we were frozen in move. You've seen we've seen Hamilton. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and just when I was feeling a little bit like that's kind of a cop out like it's a little bit of a cop out that uh you know he gets saved by the fact that he like sacrifices himself to save will ferrell by implication um time unfreezes and he gets launched across the street into the back of a pickup truck by the bus and i was like oh, okay that's better so he so he indeed does die <laughs> He is killed by the bus. He gets Homer Simpsoned into that damn by that bus into the back of this truck, right? And it is gnarly. And in fact, yeah. we don't see the end results of it. Because right. Marley says, I don't think there's any coming back from that one, son. <laughs> <laughs> like something to that effect. And he real and he can't be, uh, you know. It really doesn't count as being, you know, a self-sacrifice if you don't have to sacrifice. Right. And 
it's a little bittersweet, but that's good. This is because yeah. what you also you what you also get is like, hey, at least Will Ferrell got three weeks. You know, Ryan right. Reynolds had a second, right. right, a second of being a good person, right. And it was all that in an instant, and it's gone now. And he's in the afterlife, and on one hand, it's a bit hokey what they're about to do. But on the other hand, it's freaking brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, his sister shows up. She kind of comes out of the afterlife to greet him. And it's like a really sweet, tender moment where you see mm-hmm. just like how much he cared about his sister and how yeah. like how important that relationship was to him. That's and great. she says that she's proud of him. And it got me a little bit emotionally. I was like, OK, like I can buy into that. And then before he returns to the afterlife, he turns to Marley and he's like, wait a minute, I've got an idea, right? Right. And the thing that I kind of called once I knew that Christmas present was Scrooge happens, (laughs) which is that Ryan Reynolds' character takes over the role of Ghost of Christmas Present, right? And because of his ambition and the way that he worked in his life, he expands the redemption operation to include other holidays. They're going after higher profile targets. He's like, listen, if we're going to do some good and have a ripple effect, we're going to have a big ripple effect, right? Go big or go home, people. Like, yeah. it's- So it's, it's fun that like his sort of opposition research media marketing thing ends up playing very well into that role. It's, it's kind of like, it was like, it was waiting for him to be, do that job. And here he is in a role where look, it's perfect actually for Ryan Reynolds for Clint. This is his dream job in a way. Like he's got a sweet setup. He's hanging out with his sister who he lost early in life, right? Right. He's yeah, because she gets a job there as well, right? His it goes to Christmas present in him are an HR nightmare. Wait to happen. Christmas past. They're well, it's past, they're present, in a relationship. Past. It seems but, like they're in a relationship. They're in a relationship, but still, it's a workplace relationship. Those things are never easy, friends. Yeah, and yeah. like, and then you have like he's. He's expanding. He's ambitious. In essence, he gets to live forever. You're yeah. telling me, Will? I'm oh, sorry, Ryan Reynolds doesn't want to live forever. In some respects, like right, I totally right. buy this this whole arc, and it's and he still gets to be friends with Scrooge. Yeah, so we we find out that um, Scrooge has indeed married Kimberly and they have like the two kids and the white picket fence and all this stuff. And Ryan Reynolds will like go kind of like appear to him Mm -hmm. whenever he's got like a really tough case file that he's trying to figure out. And uh, it's it's a it's a it's a nice little like it's weird it's weird, but (laughs) it is kind of weird, but But it it works. It works. It, It works. Which is kind of the sign of like something that's truly original and like of merit in some way. Like it makes a choice that is new in a way and yet feels like conventional and like the right choice of this narrative. Like it's, it's like also, it's new. It's but yeah. it's it's old at the same time. I think it's also like it's it's kind of like a schmaltzy Hollywood ending to a movie that 
is legitimately trying to ask some questions about the format of the story it's telling. Right. And I think that it it's like one of these things where it's the kind of story where it's going to be really hard to stick the landing in a satisfying way without it being ambiguous. Right. Right. And and, and that's again, that, that that is the razor I was talking about. Right. Yeah. This is where are you going to go with it? And it just it, it it thins the needle perfectly. If I can use another cliche, like it is, it's it's satisfying. Yeah, and it's not a decision. It's not an ending that you necessarily you got to it. But I was, I think I had it like working in the back of my head. But I was like, maybe they'll go with that route. It's a possibility, but it was not what I would think would happen necessarily because you don't right. kill characters in these movies. But this movie wasn't pulling any punches with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's got that. And again, it's like, um, it's kind of pulling a Santa Claus, the, uh, a, the Santa Claus at the end. Oh, pray with it. Sail those ships, all three on Christmas day, on Christmas day. Oh, pray with it. Sail those ships, all three on Christmas day in the morning. And that's, that's spirited. What a spirited review, John. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I final thoughts on this. I mean, we'll get into our, you know, turkey and coal and whatnot. But I think that this is a really clever and inventive exploration of A Christmas Carol, which is a story that I think it's difficult to say anything new with. And I mean, we should know. <laughs> yeah, just a smidge, right? Like, I I don't know about you, John, but whenever somebody brings up a Christmas carol around me now and starts trying to say anything about it, I'm like, not that I know all the facts, but I'm like, you haven't been to Nah, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I've seen a Christmas carol, okay? Listen, yeah. You watch Grish Patel... And then have to follow it up with a Guy Pierce marathon. Then you can talk to me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, James. Yeah. I have a couple questions for you. Ask away, John. What is getting your Christmas turkey for this episode of A Christmas Carol? All right, I'm just going to go with it. It's the obvious choice, but he is the best thing of this movie. Ryan Reynolds is mm. amazing in this. He is he's he is the driving energy yeah he's fred astaire in this man like even though he can't sing it as well right he's a good singer and he knows what he can do you know people talk about how they're not movie stars ryan reynolds is a movie star and he has his persona like stewart had his like um like um betty davis had hers right like there are stars who just have that way about them that bleeds through into their performance. And this works for a 21st century Scrooge. Okay. With a social media world where these types of things are going on, you need to funnel it through a somewhat sympathetic character who can still be as nasty as, you know, I pay for everything. And it can say that line. And have it be as biting and judgmental as that line is, but also trying to sound as clever and as witty and trying to get sympathy as that is, as weak as that is. 
and he hits it on all levels. So there's a lot of good in this movie, but I got to go with what I think is the best thing. And the best thing is Ryan Reynolds as Scrooge. As Clint. Clint what again? Clint Briggs. Clint, Clint Briggs. Briggs. CB. Clint Briggs. Um, good. Because I, I was leaning in the direction of Ryan Reynolds because he's like the only person in this movie who sells any of the songs for me aside from Patrick Page. Yes. Um, uh, but... I, I like I said, I'm going to go a little bit more esoteric this time. Um, this time. I, well, yeah, listen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I am going to give my Christmas turkey to like the Christmas Carol meta narrative that's happening here. Um, not the fact that a Christmas Carol exists in this universe, because that still drives me nuts. Um but more to like the way that this movie like deconstructs and and uses the conventions of a Christmas Carol to tell a story that is meta commentating on a Christmas Carol mm-hmm. is so smart. Yes. Right. Like the writing is so tight, so sharp. Are there places where I think this script could use like a, a snip or two? Most certainly. Right. And I'm sure we'll see it readapted in some respect. But I think that like the core idea of this movie is really, 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 really strong. And the the back and forth between Briggs and Scrooge about the nature of redemption mm-hmm. right through this Christmas Carol model is one of my favorite things I think that I have seen watching these films doing this podcast. It's really, 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 really good. And that is what's getting my Christmas turkey. Now, James, on the other hand, what is getting your lump of coal for this version of Christmas Carol? All right. I already complained about it. I will continue to complain about it until I'm an old gray man. I hate musicals that can't get over the fact that they're freaking musicals. We get it. It's a musical. I bought my ticket. I sat down to watch a musical. You don't have to say it's like a no homo on like like musical. Like no musical. Like we're not like no no I, I'm a musical, but I'm not no musical, you know? Like I hate the feeling of it. I hate this feeling of like it's a it's like dirty to be a musical. You know what I'm saying there? Like how people like, yeah, the way that it's constantly commenting on the fact that it's a musical or like making kind of self-referential jokes about the fact that it's right, right, right. Like, you know, we gotta be clear that even though this is a musical, we're not like doing like, we're not musical, but we're a musical. Yeah. I hate it. I, I, I hate it in every show that does it since producers. And I, it's, I actually makes me physically ill. I'm not even joking. Like I just, because my brain is numb to at this point and numb numb to the humor of it because I've seen it played so much because there's no creativity. Anyway, I hate it. I shame do it. You th- do you think in this case that it's an example of it being reticent about being a musical or is it just like the current sort of nothing can be sincere without being undercut by a self-referential joke thing that in general is happening in popular film. It's a two-headed Hydra. I mean, it really is both those things working in tandem, which makes it even doubly harsh when it happens. When you, when it is doing that, it's like something rotten's, uh, you know, we're putting on a musical number, which my nephew likes that show now. (laughs) (laughs) 
Jack likes that show. And I got to oh, listen. No. And like he can and look, he can listen to it and he can love it. But if I have to hear one more time about every hacky commentary on what makes a musical a musical again, I'm going to lose my freaking wig and I'm going bald, John. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of two-headed hydras, my lump of coal is going to like the other end of the musical thing. Uh, this movie would have been better if it wasn't a musical, period. The story, the performances, the script are all good enough to carry it without it having to be a musical as a film. Now, what you then have open to you is take the very good film that's smart and funny and does interesting things, give a lot of things more room to breathe because you're not bogging them down with musical numbers that do largely nothing that just an extra couple lines of dialogue couldn't do. And you take that to Broadway and turn it into a successful musical. You know what I mean? And it feels to me like, Like you were saying, this movie can't decide if it's making fun of musicals or it's sincerely being a musical. So it tries to do both. And in doing both, it fails in a big way. It also means that it undermines really strong performers like Will Ferrell, right? Like Octavia Spencer, like Ryan Reynolds, although his songs are pretty decent, Right. right? The only person you have in this movie who I would actually want to see in a movie musical has his song cut off at the knees multiple times kills me because they're making jokes about it being musical like you said right. to me this would have been better just as a really funny smart holiday comedy right yes and then you make it into a musical later on right when you can kind of use the artifice of theater to create something where the music supports the story rather than what in this movie most of the time musical numbers undermine the moment that they appear in with a few notable exceptions yeah, I agree with that because they're constantly talking about it. I I see your point. I think that to maybe on some level, I definitely agree with that, right? But there is something to it being an unofficial sequel to Albert Findy's Scrooge. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like, my gosh, it's they're they're. This is definitely Albert Finney is our Scrooge in this. Yeah, like mm-hmm. that's Will Ferrell when he becomes Scrooge in the in the flashback. It's very Albert Finney. Yeah. It's very much. He's got like the hunch over look, like he had. Like, he, yeah, like, he remember, looks like a troll. <laughs> yeah, Albert Finney was really trolling it up. Like he was giving Danny DeVito a run for his money. Oh my gosh, Danny DeVito as Scrooge. Danny DeVito as a modern Scrooge could be really excellent. That yeah. could really be something. He also would have been great as Tom Bombadil if you want to flash over to our most recent episode of Frodo Lives. Yes. So that's a separate conversation. Well, um, I still can't get over that one. That was awesome. <laughs> James, is this uh, going to appear in your Christmas future or does it belong in your Christmas past? It is going to belong in my Christmas future because it is going to be part of a double feature. We are going to watch at some point this season Albert Finney's Scrooge in the background while making <laughs> cookies followed up with Spirited. <laughs> it's good enough that it's actually art. It's really trying to say something here. Um, it's going, like you're saying, it's commenting on a Christmas Carol, which by it's commenting on redemption, which in this era, especially with social media, which is also talking about can, after you've done something, can you, after you've been canceled pretty much, which how can we've gone this whole time without basically saying 
that's what it's kind of talking about being canceled in society. Can right. you become back from that? Is anybody un is anybody redeemable in this world really? And that's it, an interesting underlying narrative that I actually did not think about at all. Right. But it's sort of what happens to the kid too, yeah, right? He that's why it has to be that harsh, because cancel culture can have that effect. It's 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 a valid choice there. Um yeah. So because of that, even though there's some goofy songs, forgettable songs, pacing issues, some of them can't sing like because of all even besides that. You can watch this and enjoy it and have a blast talking about those facts, too. This is a perfect movie for the background of a holiday party when you're hanging out with theater friends. I say this is in my Christmas future, along with Albert Finney. Nice. Nice. Um, Yeah, I would say largely the same. I think that it is a strong enough concept and story and performances that the the major issues that I have with it from a creative standpoint aren't enough for me to be like, no, I'm never watching it again. This is especially in my future if, as we're suggesting, it makes that jump to being a stage show, which I think would be better. Like, I think that the musical part of it would work better in that context than it does as a film. Um, well, that's going to do it for us here at Jacob Marley is dead for, Ooh. for this, for this holiday season, special release. Um, but John, I'm not done. I want to do some more of this, man. Well, James, uh, I think that you're in luck. Uh, you and I have to talk about it, but those of you who are listening and enjoy this show, uh, Stay subscribed because I think we we've got some some plans uh, in the coming year. We're not going to, I think, necessarily reveal them just yet. We have to sort of talk about what they're going to look like. But mm. uh, Jacob Marley may be dead, but uh, he's coming back. Uh, that's all I'm going to say on the matter. In the meantime, uh, if you enjoyed this show, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on Facebook. Um, you can pop over to our other podcast, Frodo Lives, which is a Lord of the Rings read through podcast. We're we're kind of rounding uh, the halfway point on Fellowship of the Ring right now. Um, we're almost through the Tom Bombadil chapters. It's all downhill from here, folks. We once we get past these chapters, everything picks up, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're getting past the slow point. We're, we're going to be smooth sailing from here on out. So um, feel free to pop over and give that a listen. Um, we'd love to get our, our listenership numbers up on that a little bit. And if you enjoy what we do here, you know, largely the same, just, you know, hobbits instead of uh, ghosts. Um, James, if people enjoy the show, what is something they could do to support us? Well, John, they can leave us a five star, five star, five star, five star. Five star review. That's what you can do. Boo, do. Please leave us a five star review on whatever you are listening to this on. There's some sort of thing. Maybe it's stars. Maybe it's points. Maybe it's, you know, uh, hexagons. I don't know. But whatever there's five of, leave us the five. Uh, it helps us out. And you found us somehow. Thank you, listener, for finding us. Spread the word. Let's get the holiday spirit all year round to all of our friends out there. We all need it. We're all living through the world we are in right now. Let's make it happen. Yeah, I mean, it is, it, you know, it is the holidays. This is probably going to be dropping the week of Christmas at the rate that I added episodes. So, um, 
you know, send this to somebody that, uh, you know, likes Christmas, likes a Christmas carol, mm-hmm. um, encourage them to listen to, you know, uh, all of the season one episodes and tell them, you know, subscribe and stick around for what we may or may not be doing here in season two. Yep. Yep. You never know who might be popping out of their grave around here. You just never know. You never know. You never know. It's true. Well, until they do, as Tiny Tim observed... God bless us, everyone. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 